Filled episode of Rank and Review. This episode, I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone. Usually, when we're talking about genre cinema or sci fi or fantasy or horror, I kind of know what I'm talking about, but I must admit to some ignorance when it comes to black exploitation. And I use this podcast for, well, many things, but uh, uh, on top of, you know, exposing to the world how nerdy and crazy I am over horror movies and genre cinema, I've also tried to stretch my experience of movies, you know? We've done episodes on musicals or the Rocky franchise, which is not my typical cup of tea, and this week will be another one. Uh, your regular R&R MVP, Mr. Lee Beckman. And I are going to talk about black exploitation movies and um, my experience of them. And I think, you know, let's be real. Some of these are 40, 45 years old, um, made before I was born and perhaps not for me. So this is a journey that we shall take together. And maybe don't take my word for it because, uh, again, <laughs> usually I feel like I know what I'm talking about. This was a new experience. So experience it with me. And give me feedback about what you think. Uh, if you have any words to tell me, uh, you can do that at rankingreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Please check out the page at rankingreview.ca. If you're a Facebook person, check it out on Facebook. If you're a Twitter person, check it out on Twitter. I am Rankin Review. My name is Larry Parsons, your host and Random Canadian. Please uh, be aware that there is coarse language in this podcast, and there will be spoilers for the six movies that we're talking about. Without any further ado, I invite you to enjoy Black Exploitation. All right, Mr. Beckman, welcome back yet again to Rankin Review. Um, I'm pretty sure you're still champion at this point. I mean, uh, there's a couple episodes that need to be recorded ahead of this. Yeah. But uh, well, statistically, it's very likely that you're still champion. I, I, I still hold the throne. <laughs> I, I'm very happy. So um, I've been trying to get more disciplined about getting people to do proper episodes of R&R. Yeah. But I also want to sometimes reach outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. And, uh, you know. And... and this is why we're here. This is why we're here. This is why we're here. Um, Hold my hand. This is 
we're going to talk about black exploitation. Uh, yep. And and I think all of these movies were released before seventy five. Like they're like between seventy and seventy five. I think so. They're all seventies as hell anyway. Yeah. And they're all sort of riding a wave of uh, you know popularization of uh, black culture and cinemas made by and for African American people. Yeah. Uh, which is to say, not for me specifically. Right? Yeah, uh, I was born in 1976 in the middle of the Canadian prairies, and yeah. there were no black people there. Like in, in Edmonton, Alberta, in the in the 80s, if you if you saw a black person like at the mall or something like that, it would turn your head because it would just be we we don't see that very often. Right? Okay. Like, okay. Uh, uh, I just grew up in a very white place. I'm, I'm saying that for all of the good and all of the bad that that implies. Okay. Um, so uh, again, I had no none of this registered to me. Like none of this was anywhere. Even of the '70s movies that I watched growing up, mm-hmm. I never really, I never really bumped into it. So it's completely, completely left field to me, right? Okay. And uh, outside of my knowledge base in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Uh, it would almost be like again. I'm, I'm not trying to be dismissive, but like there was a resurgence of uh, the classic musicals in the late '60s. Right? Yeah, uh, musicals on film just don't do it for me. If I was to do an episode on those, I could say, well, I appreciate the historical significance of this Broadway play and why they yeah. would choose to adapt it, but my approach would be almost more analytical. Or, or, yeah. Uh, I find it hard to get passionate about these movies in a lot of ways. I, I'm going to just sort of open the door by saying, like, um, I wanted to like a lot of these movies more than I did. Okay. Uh, I, I, I didn't go in a hater. I really didn't. No, no, I believe you. <laughs> I, 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 for, for the people at home, he seems to be really struggling. Uh, he's like, why, 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 why am I not excited about Shaft? Why, what's my problem with Shaft? I watched three Shaft movies this week, and they were just like, I found them to be kind of diminishing returns. I think that, honestly, the other three movies that we talk about, yeah. I like significantly more than the Shaft, and I feel like I'm supposed to like these movies more than Hey, man, this is your, 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 your own thoughts, your own feelings. So let, let, us, let us open the floodgates. I've said it before in the past with movies that are intensely personal to me. Yes. Just don't take my word for it. This yeah. movie either really pissed me off or this movie really touched my soul. So yeah, I yeah. can't talk reasonably about it. Yeah. And this one I say, maybe don't take my word for it because, again, I'm just outside of my element. Um, okay. And if you, got, if you love Shaft... I apologize. <laughs> and again, I'm not going to be throwing hate. This is not like, these movies suck. Just, yeah, like, they just didn't do it for you. They are not what I expected them to be, and that might have been part of my disappointment. And yeah. yeah, But anyway, we can get into that more Could we? It would be like us doing an episode on the Twilight series. These mm-hmm. movies are not, not made. They're not, they're not made for us. Yeah. We could easily rip them apart. And we might but, have fun ripping them apart, but to what end? Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I can see that. <clears throat> Um, so I found this more interesting uh, than, than interesting. Well, it was me that was really pushing this anyways. Let's, 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 let's be perfectly honest. Uh, I mean, I get your interest uh, wanting... You love cinema, and yeah. uh, marrying your interest with some uh, African-American cinema, black cinema, as it were, yep. makes sense. You're, you're married to an African woman. You're, yep. you're raising a daughter. And you want to be aware of the culture. So uh, there's some more personal sort of levy to it. Mm-hmm. But again, I was sort of thinking about that in the background watching them because mm-hmm. they're so specifically 70s. Like, they yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. walk a chick a 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, that's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. like do, you do you, the 70s. But uh, I don't know how relevant a lot of the stuff is. I mean, 
it's great. It would be great for the culture, I'm sure, at the time to have like a superhero with a black face that yeah. they can all. And that's um, kind of what Shaft really is. Yeah. And and I I think at its time for its time it yeah. was it really it, it's yeah. like the dude he he was fits right in there in his time and place. Yeah. But fast forward forty years. Yeah. I say that, and there's a new Shaft movie evidently to be released. So yeah. again, I must be full of shit. Um, but. Was that your only reason for wanting to do black exploitation? No, um, you know, because I was sort of anticipating this question. Uh, I mean, I'd heard about these films as a, as a kid, but you know, I never really was excited to see them. And then, yes, um, I spent two years in Cape Town, South Africa, and um, they had this very posh DVD store in Cape Town, in the Cavendish area. Like it was a very, a, it was a artsy. Um, posh dvd store it was very swanky right. uh, which specialized you can get your nice expensive coffee while browsing through uh, an art it was an art house cinema store right uh like we don't have here we, we, yeah <laughs> you can find it in yeah. south africa but not in like, so they had um very eclectic movies and they had a a black exploitation section and and i i, I kind of thought well you know Now's the time, yeah. and they had like they had the original sweet sweet black is what, badass badass song. Thank you. Yeah. They had copies of that, which I still haven't seen. Ironically, since that's considered sort of the quintessential, mm-hmm. the first one, if you will. But they had like coffee, and they had um, Black Caesar. They had a long list of black exploitation films, and that's when I sort of first got into them. That's when I first saw like at least the first shaft. Uh, and some of these other titles that we're going to talk about today. That could and, be part of the problem for me too. Sorry, I don't interrupt you, but like mm-hmm. uh, access to the titles. Like, yeah. I guess I wasn't. I didn't ever end up renting Shaft. Did I remember? I, I seem to be remember there was like a high school party where there yeah. was some Shaft and Blackula was playing. Yeah. But it was more it was on in the room than I was really like yeah. into it. Um, but I did not have the section of you know yeah. <laughs> black exploitation cinema. Yeah. And maybe if I'd bumped into Blackula, I would have rented it just to check it out because yeah. it's a vampire movie. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it would have been because it was a vampire movie, not because it was a black yeah. exploitation. But I. It, Again, maybe it's because of where we live. I barely even see these movies. To yeah, me, so. yeah, and part of it, part Lack of it, of exposure. <laughs> yeah, uh, part of the, I think that part of that's what it is to me as well. Like, like as you as you know, uh, I grew up in a very leftist, short uh, social justice warrior uh, breeding ground envi- environment, breeding ground, if you will. Um, so those themes have always intrigued me. You know, you and we talk politics a lot. You and I. Uh, um, uh, and even though sometimes I, 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 it's pretty safe to say that our politics sometimes differ, uh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it's always intrigued me. I always enjoy a sort of a social conscious uh, theme with my movies, and and these movies they're not hiding it. It is part of their identity. It's part of their DNA. So what intrigued me about black exploitation is it, it came out as a response to a lot of the oppression that was going on. You have to remember that the 60s had just finished uh, or were still ongoing, technically. And American film, I would say, up until... Well, no, still ongoing, was a huge visible response to a lot of social consciousness and social change. And so that's where part of these films come from, right or wrong. They do... Promote uh, ne- negative stereotypes, as we will talk about in these to movies. To quote the uh, recently reviewed Office Space, I'm yes. going to go ahead and 
disagree with you a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, no, yeah, I mean, obviously there were creative filmmakers and, and screenplay writers yeah. who wanted to get their voice and needed to get their voice out there. Yeah. What these movies did, like yeah. uh, especially Superfly and Shaft, because yeah. they were low-budget affairs, yeah. they made a fuck ton of money. Oh, yes. And then they were like, oh, we can make money? No, yeah, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then there was a wave no, of well, well, I would love to say this was all altru- altruism and they wanted to change the culture. No. For me, I honestly think they had a couple of strong hits and they thought, there's money here. Well, yes, no, I, you're not wrong. If you even watch the documentary on Superfly, they talk about oh, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where they said, you know, like, like Sweet Sweet Badass Song came out and all of a sudden... Um, the studio soon realized, hey, we can make money, you know, selling movies to black audiences. They have money. People go to see them in droves. Yeah. Um, and it's like that movie really opened the door. Yes, there was a huge financial angle to this. I just I, am sometimes resistant to the George Clooney fairy tale of Hollywood that, that, sure. that all good change comes because somebody wrote a screenplay. No, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not saying that. And, and I didn't want to say it was as simplified as that. Right, right. But no, part of this was, yes, absolutely. That film, an independent movie made by black artists or African-American artists, made a lot of money. And that's how Shaft came about, really. A fair ancillary would honestly be the 80s slasher craze, right? Yeah. A couple of late 70s slasher movies way fucking overperformed. Yeah. And then, then the, the industry just got inundated with it to the point yeah. that it drowned the interest in it. And it yeah. sort of yeah. off. Oh, no. I, I agree. If there was no financial success of Sweet Sweet Badass or even Shaft, none of this happens. Yeah. Even Superfly. Like, Superfly made a lot of money. Uh, it's a very different movie in a lot of ways than the other five we're going to talk about. There's a huge financial component to it. I, I yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And I get it. There were a good altruistic yeah. people who wanted to do that. Yeah. But I honestly think yeah. in any industry... I'm just talking about what drew me to these, okay. yeah. these films. It was right. that there is a lot of... Um, social conscious or social issues being talked about in these movies from usually a African-American point of view. Some of the writers, uh, uh, fil- filmmakers, I, I kind of do a sort of turning on go, really? Um, but that's one thing that attracted me to it. Um, I, I try and consume as many different diverse voices as a lover of cinema. Uh, you know, we're, we're all about inclusion writer right now. And, you know, and my mom challenged me on this. She, she said one day, you know, I know you love film, but you see a lot of North American cinema. Why don't you watch, you know, some, some Canadian cinema or some, you know, Italian filmmakers? And that's something that, you know, I try and do with my little cinematic obsessions is find genres that aren't strictly white and male anymore because there are different voices and I may not agree with these voices, but you know, that, that, that's one way that I can sort of consume it, hearing different voices. And same with literature. I am uh, all for different yeah. voices, but I, I think that when you get politically charged films, and what I like about these movies, it's yeah. just political as they are, I don't, like, I don't, I, I'm disappointed that I don't like Shaft, but I yeah. don't feel like... You, you shouldn't I, feel disappointed, you just didn't like the movie, yeah, that's but, okay. Uh, but I don't feel like I would be punished for not liking, like, it, it, yeah. it, it makes sense that it's not yeah. for me. Whereas, like, uh, you're talking about the piano, the Jane Campion yeah. movie, right? Yeah. I don't like that movie. Yeah. And 
for some reason that makes me sexist. I think yeah. <laughs> people will look down. And be like, like, Once again, that's I, sort of a simplistic, right? But, insulting, but yeah. that, like I'm supposed to like the the piano and be yeah. charmed and respect the voice. And yeah. like I was like, that did nothing for me. That yeah. did nothing for me. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it didn't. Yeah. Um, but where was that one? I feel like I, I almost feel compelled to revisit and figure it out. Whereas these ones, I can just sort of say, well, it's not for me. It's interesting for its time. Okay. And, uh, I can say that I've I've watched some black exploitation cinema and, and not just be talking about this idea I yeah. have of it because yeah. that was my problem I think going in I had an yeah. idea in my head of what yeah. black exploitation cinema was yeah. and it kind of didn't match what I watched yeah and, and and I encourage anyone going into you know black exploitation is don't go like, I mean yes there are tropes that we'll talk about and there are stereotypes with it but there there's more than just these films and the messages they talk about I love black exploitation horror yeah. I love it and Get Out is a great example of that. But there was a horror movie talking about social injustice issues. Yeah. And black horror, there's a long line of black exploitation horror, whether it's The Terror or Blackenstein or Ganja and Hess, Tales from the Hood. There's a whole subculture of these films that I encourage people who love movies, who love horror movies, go and check these out. Because some of them are hilarious, like Blackenstein is hilarious. I Abby think... is awful. The, the oh, yeah. Black Exorcist movie, woof. Uh, not to always go back to my boy Romero, but yeah. I, I think George Romero deserves shout outs for him prominently placing African American actors yeah. in a lot of his movies yeah. and not, you know, the best friend who dies in the yeah. third reel. Like, main character of Dawn of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead yeah. as a black guy and not a lot is made of it. Yeah. Like, well, I, I like the, the truth about that is that Romero cast the best actor in the role. Ben was never supposed to be a specific, specific color. In fact, he might have been white originally. Well, that's what I like about these survival scenarios. It yeah. kind of makes all that shit disappear. If it's yeah. like, how are we going to eat today? Yeah. Then it's less of a <laughs> you know, yeah. info. No. And you're talking about getting all the different angles of cinema. Yeah. Like when I committed to <laughs> rank and review five years and change ago, yeah. I think I committed to what I call genre cinema. Yes. Which to me is anything sort of fantastical. Sure. So, fantasy science fiction and horror okay but in that umbrella i will watch any fantasy science fiction <laughs> horror, right yeah. like I'll, I'll watch troll hunter i'll watch a tale yeah. of two sisters yeah uh, i'll watch any sort of iteration of that and it's not that i've dismissed all the movies to the other side but i watch way less oscar bait movies in the last five years than i used to you know yeah i'm sort of specific to my own tastes yeah. Anyway, uh, we kind of I got off the rails there. Yeah, yeah. Is there yeah. anything else you want to say in introduction? We got we're already fifteen minutes in here uh, um, before we start talking about these movies. I, I feel like I've done some. Uh, I've been making excuses for my. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I just I there there are so many um, great black exploitation films. I do uh, even though we'll be talking about it again. Shout out, go see sweet sweet badass song that, that even I haven't seen it, but apparently that's the quintessential one right. to get out there. Um, but there's some other ones I do want to mention. Obviously, uh, get out would be one. Um, Black Devil Doll from Hell. <laughs> Blackenstein, um, Abby is another one, uh, and I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some. Anyways, these are some of the ones that I, I saw doing kind of like the homework and being just involved in black exploitation films. 
Um, Gan Jen Hess is also considered a classic. Yeah. Tales, the first Tales from the Hood is pretty good as well. Uh, it's I, hard I, to get your hands on. I've actually been sort of yeah. keeping half an eye out for that. I feel like, and again, that's one that I missed that I feel like I should see. I like anthology horror movies, and it's yeah. got a decent reputation, so why haven't I seen Tales yeah. from the Hood? Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan, and you will hear it on Blackula. <laughs> Not so much the sequel, but... Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else we got here. Gone Jen Hess, Abby, Sugar Hill. I loved Coffee. So the Sugar Hill, the original one, it's like a zombie movie, right? Yes, yeah. And then the modern Sugar Hill just yeah. shares the title and nothing else? Yeah, it's a gangster film. Okay, weird. Uh, That's weird. Yeah, if you're going to remake a movie... Yeah, remake. Abby's messed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think maybe we should get into it. Yes, uh, we should. I'm going to say, uh, Lee's going to help me a little bit. Yeah. Disclosure. Is it Dr. Black, Mr. Hyde? Sweet. I watched all three shafts in the last few, uh, yeah. the last week or so, and they kind of blurred a little bit. They stewed in my head. I rewatched the shaft in Africa. <laughs> Good portion of Shaft in Africa just yesterday to yeah. reorient me because I knew that one was uh, I was having yeah I was having sensory issues it was maybe too much too quick sure um, but uh, so I might let Lee take point on some of the Shaft conversations okay <laughs> okay <laughs> oh we should say what we're reviewing exactly <laughs> we're gonna review Shaft yeah we're gonna review Shaft's big score yeah we're gonna review Shaft in Africa the brother returns to the motherland we're gonna review Superfly yep we're gonna review Cleopatra's Jones and then Cleopatra gonna, Jones. Cleopatra Jones. You said Cleopatra's Jones. Oh, sorry. Like the possessive. <laughs> Cleopatra Jones, and we're going to finish it off with Blackula. Yeah. Do it, boy. That they going to be here, he should be here. Open it up. Chaps, his name. Shafts his game. Listen, Snow White. Me and you gonna tangle sooner or later. The mob wanted Harlem back. They got Shaft. Okay, turn her loose so he goes. Come on, in front of me. All I'm asking you is to let me know what's going on. No names, no places, just what? Rated R. If you want to see Shaft, ask your mama. So I think my problem is that I conflated my idea in my head of Shaft okay. with uh, Isaac Hayes, uh, sure. the, the voice of Chef from South Park and the guy who provided the soundtrack and the okay. famous song. Okay. Everybody knows the Shaft song. Shaft! It's unavoidable. Yeah. So that song paints a picture in my mind anyway. Okay. Of a very different. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what were you expecting? Well, he's coming a complicated in... man that yeah. no one understands but his woman. <laughs> Shit, your mouth! Uh, what are you talking about? I, I expected it to be over the top, kind of campy and fun, sort of big '70s cinema. Okay, and this is a straight crime movie. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I don't know. It, to me, it came advertised almost as like a, a cheesy, schlocky comedy or, or presentation, right? Um, but that's not what it is at all. Yeah. No, that doesn't make it a bad movie. It just, my expectations were skewed for some yeah. reason. Um, uh, there was a movie, I can't remember the name of it, that was basically satirizing black exploitation movies, right? Uh, where they just did it so over the top, where like the the afros they couldn't get through doors because of the size of the yeah. hair and the uh, 
the costume starts to look more and more like Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> things yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just sort of figured uh, that was an exaggerated version of Shaft. But mm-hmm. Shaft, for all of its posturing with the main, the suave, super coolness of the Shaft character, yeah. is a pretty straight play one side against the other, intrigue in the mob, right? Mm-hmm. There's the uh, there's three, I guess, factions that he needs to juggle here. There's mm-hmm. the Black Mafia, the Black Nationalists, and the White Mafia. The Italian Mafia, yes. But they call them the White, whatever. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's... It's a little bit convoluted, but they're trying to start a race war, essentially. And yeah. Uh, first pitting the, the Black Gangs against each other, and then kidnapping... The child of one of the leaders, uh, Bumpy? Bumpy. 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 Yeah. Moses Gunn plays the yeah. character. Yeah. So Shaft is at first in an adversarial position and then figures if he can extinguish the fire by finding the kidnapper, saving this kid, he'll which stop he all out yeah. war. Yeah. Which he does, and which he does confidently. Uh, controversial statement number one Richard Roundtree. Yeah. Plenty of style. Minimal acting prowess? Yeah, that, that's not controversial. Is that He's, unfair? No, that's not unfair. <laughs> Richard Roundtree, I, at least from the evidence of Shaft. Um, he looks the part. And he is suave and like... He laughs a lot. He's enjoying himself and yeah. he's a likable presence. He's but a, is he a good actor? No. Is he a no, good actor? No, he's not. <laughs> he's, I don't think he'll ever be accused of <laughs> taking home the Emmy or the Oscar. No, he's... At best, he's a character actor. You um, love what you do. I yeah. But, I, it, but you know, he is John Shaft. You know, he's, he, he's playing a sort of a cocky version of himself. So, yeah. No, not 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 a great actor, Richard Roundtree. Um, I think of anything. For, when I think first thing of Shaft, we're one year removed from the French Connection, winning Best Picture, and that film I think changed a lot of things because audience members weren't used to, at least with mainstream film, the sort of tough, gritty, seventies um, crime, authentic drama, where the good guys were saying the N word and it was tough, and we were seeing addicts in the street vomiting and whatnot like also the movies would stop talking down to us yeah there was a real problem i find in the 60s and early 70s with them re-explaining and over-explaining the machinations of the plot like not giving the audience enough credit to understand a plus b equals c yeah uh and that i think the french connection kind of slammed the door on a little well yeah friedian talked about you know when that film first premiered and he knew he had a hit you know there was audible gas with the opening sequences where our two hero cops were saying some pretty vile things beating up suspects but freaking said i wanted authenticity yeah. and that's what he said to screenwriter ernest is it, i hope i'm seeing his name tideman uh it's t-y-d-e-r-m-a-n sounds right tideman tideman <laughs> let's say you know i wanted this tough gritty authentic what's life you know, in New York City really, really like, and let's give it to the mass audiences. And so Shaft is, you know, it's, it's another, another level of that. Is we're same gonna show, screenwriter. Yeah, same screenwriter. We're going to show a tough crime thriller where it's gritty, but our hero, originally John Shaft was supposed to be white. Yeah. When they sold it to MGM, uh, then it became, hey, we've we got to get, get on this wave. And what, what what happens if we make John Shaft an African-American? And then it, it took on a life of its own. And the novel, original novel got published with Shaft being an African-American dick, if you will, right. who says 
smart out of things to the man, beds the woman, solves the crime. Yeah. You're up to here with shaft. And here's where we come into it, the black exploitation sort of approach to it. Okay. Uh, at the time, like nowadays, I think that what, you know, it sounds so condescending. <laughs> I know what black, black audiences want, but like, um, yeah. it's, it, it wouldn't be like if they made a, Denzel Washington made a movie where he's a lawyer. Yeah. The key to his being a lawyer wouldn't be his blackness. He yeah. would just be Denzel Washington, and he'd be an amazing fucking lawyer, right? Yeah, yeah. There's something about this, these movies where part of what makes Shaft so awesome yeah. is that he's African American. Yeah, yeah, right? no, and, yeah. And, and, like, now that would almost feel condescending to me. Like, I don't know how well that reads now. Uh it would just be he was a, he's a super cop he's an amazing cop it'd be bad boys right okay but we're in an age right now where representation is a very real thing inclusion oh. inclusion inclusion but I said bad boys for a very specific reason mm-hmm. like those bad boy movies they shoot Will Smith like he's a fucking supermodel right yeah I see Shaft influences there, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not that he's black that, that that makes him a super cop. He's a super cop because he's an amazing police officer, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's the subtle difference between, I think, early black exploitation and where we've come off. They eventually, it's just like, no, he's a successful person. It's not right. because he's black. It's that he's able to thrive in an environment that sets the, the stakes against him at every turn, right? Yeah. Uh, so... There's just something interesting that I sort of feel about all of these movies. Okay. And I do want to talk about some of the staples. In sure. a way, the, the, this movie, Shaft, mm-hmm. is less guilty of them than some of the others as we go moving forward. Yeah. But everything will stop for a music number. Yep. They love their their 60s, 70s funk along with the big styles. Yeah. Disco styles. And uh, I don't know if it's part of the fashion sort of chic thing or whatever, but mm-hmm. the movies have a lot of air in them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people driving in their awesome cars going from point A to point B. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, getting to know you conversations. Mm-hmm. Speaking as a filmmaker, as a film editor, mm-hmm. I know that the 70s were a different time and they would let their movies breathe and the audiences were more receptive to them. Yeah. For me, as an editor, I would be like, and then he drives to the car and then the car pulls into the driveway. And then he turns off the car, and then he sits in the front seat of the car for a second. And then, and then, then the camera close, does a close-up, right? Slowly yeah. closes in, and I'm like, no, you cut this. Cut to yeah. the interior. He's yeah. home, right? Yeah. And uh, again, I I don't know why. I was progressively so, as I was watching more and more, as these would come up. And they come up in all of these movies. I would be like, get to the next scene. Yeah. Please. Superfly is terrible for that. There's a lots of long shots in that big nice car of his yeah when we get to it it's one of the ones where it bothered me the least yeah um so uh this movie is guilty of it but yeah. all of the movies we're talking about yeah <laughs> even guilty. the opening title sequence it's just a long walk of shaft as he goes through traffic and tells one guy up oh. <laughs> yeah and you listen to a lot of yeah. music and uh again i think that's the difference in superfly i actually kind of got into the pusher man song and yeah. really, like, some of the music i actually clicked with more whereas yeah. the, this is more in incidental background walk a chick of 70s music which is fine yeah. and they obviously f- focus the Isaac Hayes song <laughs> but like yeah. again I feel like the song is advertising a different movie somehow to me I, I'm harder on the movie than maybe I should be but to me at the end it's a very familiar premise yeah it's very it's a 70s crime drama it's an and Elmore Leonard-esque 
Mickey Spillane. The thing is, the seventies was the time story. where they were making these movies yeah. amazingly all of the time. Yeah, and in that crop of movies, I don't know how much Shaft sort of stands out from the crowd for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, its significance as an important piece of black cinema, absolutely. Yeah, as a great piece of you know <coughs> enthralling police or cop intrigue. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but well, it's now in the National Congress Library of Cinema, so. And I'm sure it's there for good reason. I can't. I don't mean to talk down to Shaft. It's yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't connect for me. Um, as a film itself, I you know I think time has not been kind to it, just structurally. Um, but I enjoyed Shaft for what it is. I mean, it's a Mickey Spillane film noir story right off the bat. Never really pretends to be more than that. Um, once again, I think I, you know, for audiences that maybe had not seen themselves represented, represented. Absolutely. I, I, that wasn't a racist Uncle Tom stereotype. No. Here it was. It was funny to see, you know, a good-looking African American man, you know, telling the white police chief, "I'll get to you sometime." Mm-hmm. You know, um, and even sort of the race baiting that goes on uh, in in Shaft. I'm sure a lot of people were like, "Yeah." Same thing with Superfly. I was actually impressed at, well, maybe impressed is the wrong word, but with a lot of the movies here, including Shaft, that mm-hmm. it, it's not even about punching out the white guy or, or yeah. defeating him conclusively. No. It's just about being able to say fuck you to his face. Like, that's enough at this point, right? He yeah. doesn't have to put the cuffs on him. He doesn't defeat racism, right? Yeah. He's just somehow shafted his way above it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think he wants to stop the so-called race war that's trying to be ignited here he just wants to find the girl and he even the police chief at the end of the movie says okay Shaft you know you have to clean up your mess and Shaft goes uh uh-uh. uh my whole goal was about you know getting the girl it's your job to you know clean up this so called race war that's about to erupt and he hangs up the phone so. that might be one of the problems I have with Shaft he's so cool that he doesn't even want to be altruistic and good I kind of wanted him to be a good guy but cool and style trumps everything getting laid and looking cool is yeah. more important than catching the bad but guy. I think that's what was sort of Shaft that's all John along. Shaft that's and John again, Shaft yeah I've also and I've talked about this with you mm-hmm. uh, have this problem uh, with the, the Riddicks and yeah. the Blades and the yeah. Snake Plissken sort of hero yeah. where somehow on some level I believe they've read the script and they know how this is all going to work out yeah. and they're never afraid uh, yeah. it, it, it kills the stakes for me in, in, in those movies and yeah. to a degree in, in Shaft as well yeah I think we'll find as we go forward, each movie gets a little bit bigger and a little bit dumber, like I said. Okay. But uh, they're just sort of playing on a bigger bigger yeah. scale. Yeah, well, to me, like I have no problems with these films, but I agree with you. The, the hero is never in real danger, and Shaft even acts like it, especially in this one where he knows that he's going to come out all right. But it's about the journey. It's not about the ending. It's about... To me, like the sauce, the supporting characters from you know Bumpy is it Bumpy Johnson or whomever. Yeah. Um, the supporting cast has always been sort of intriguing as well. Our villains or you know other our dirty other little film noir character types. Uh, along, I love the '70s style. I love the lighting. Um, I love like the use of shadow. Um, but in this movie, not so much in Shaft in Africa because the the color palette is different. Changed, yeah. Um, but it, that sort of gritty 70s New York, um, I, I, I like looking at as well, that, that, that style. So that's something else that, that intrigued me about Shaft. 
Um, once in a while, I, I love some of the wordplay. Not so much with this one, but more in the second one where he gets a little more, you know, sass to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's the, there's the whole stereotypes. Like this is the movie, the kind of movie that David Duke would wake up from a nightmare from, where, <laughs> <laughs> you know, John Shaft is bedding all the ladies. So, yeah. um, it's it is what it is. It's it's a it, it's a crime thriller that was of its time. Um, I liked it for what it is. Again, mm-hmm. sometimes the wrong movie hits you on the wrong day, but like I, it confuses me. Because I'll make excuses for movies like Tourist Trap or whatever, again, yeah. slasher movies. I like slasher movies. I'm yeah. say, so here's another one. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, I think maybe part of it is, like I said, the 70s were the age of movies of like Gritty Street, yeah. you know, Dog Day Afternoon, French yeah. Connection, Serpico, you know, yeah. like that's when they made those movies their yeah. best. Yeah. And uh, I think it, you know, I've seen the classics of the genre and recognize that this is of that age. Yeah. But maybe not punch in the same way. Mm-hmm. But it's weird to me, like, again, that I'm not making excuses. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I mean, if this sounds like something you'll be into, it'll be something you'll be into. I, yeah. Again, uh, for me, when we talk about uh, Superfly and Cleopatra Jones, you know, yeah. that, that's kind of what I wanted out of Shaft. And yeah. is it fair for me to admonish a movie because it's not what I wanted it to yeah. be? Not really. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, is there no. anything else you want to say about no, Shaft? No, I, I, well, just once again, I want to quickly talk about the influence of, uh, of Sweet Sweet. Um, you know, that's a movie that was independently made and, and it came out and it changed everything. Like, that's when Hollywood kind of took notice and went, oh? The same thing when Blair Witch came out. It was made up by independent filmmakers and it grew big. Same thing with that song. They soon realized that, you know, they were making a lot of money. A lot of people came to that movie because they saw some of their lives put up on the screen. And that's kind of where Shaft was going to go. Yeah, they're hungry um, for representation. Yeah. I think that a similar thing maybe culturally might have happened with Crazy Rich Asians this summer. Yeah, yeah. Because they expected it to be a hit, but it was like a crazy hit. Yeah. And it was like, there's an audience that's been hungry for representation, and they haven't been getting it. Yeah. And guess what? Well, on North it, American soil, yeah. yeah. And if you... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And if yeah. you give it to them, watch them show up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, that's all about it I can say about Shaft. Um the great Gordon Parks made this movie. Uh, you'll see his name come up and also a family connection later. Uh, I would check out some of his other works as well. He was a pretty good writer. but And also Ernest Tidyman. He's the guy that co-wrote or wrote the screenplay for The French Connection. He also did the Shaft novels and did the screenplays for the Shaft films. Um, I find his work, from what I've read and seen, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, Shaft is Shaft, man. Uh, nobody understands him, really. But what his woman. <laughs> you liked him before, so he's back with more. Shaft. Shaft is back. In Shaft's big score. He looks like Carl Asby to me. What's left of him? What did he tell you, Shaft? Stay away from black hunkies with big, flat feet. Last time he was nice. This time he's ice. We go to a lot of funerals, Shaft. Willie and me. One day we'll drop in on yours. 
Shaft is back in action with Bobby and Willie and a new box or two. Why don't you take your things off? Hey, wait a minute. I didn't mean all that. You keep the hell out of Queens. <laughs> What do you want from me, Shaft? Okay, Shaft's big score. Yeah. One year almost to the day. Yeah. <laughs> it is released in theaters. They're cranking them out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, they seem to have pretty firm feet on the ground. They know what worked for them in Shaft. It was a hit. And mm-hmm. all they're doing is throwing a little bit more money at it. I mean, in this Shaft, we have... A lot like, more money, uh, yeah. Uh, a boat chase and a helicopter yeah. flying through a warehouse and yeah. some pretty cool, you know, real in-camera. Using Panavision cameras this time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, the the production's gone up a, a couple of notches. So yeah. The Shaft is looking cooler and more badass than ever. Yeah. So uh, we catch up with Shaft. He's in bed with a beautiful lady and the phone rings and a buddy of his calls and he's got a job for him. But yeah. he's got to talk to Shaft right now. Yeah. And he wants to make sure that his sister is safe. And Shaft assures him. and uh he goes to meet his buddy and uh uh-oh his buddy has been exploded yeah and john shaft has to get to the bottom of this case yeah um yeah so so begins shaft's big score yeah uh as i sort of described i think each movie gets a little bit bigger and maybe a little bit dumber yeah um in in its trajectory i don't think that anything happened at any point in shaft's big score that i was like what (laughs) yeah like Like for all that stupid stupidity like cleopatra jones yeah i was kind of surprised yeah by, by one turn of the plot so i give the movie points for that yeah um Again, it, this is a seventies cop thriller. It's yeah. everything you expect to like. <laughs> it's a Philip Mar- Philip Marlowe. Yeah, I will give it this. I laughed out loud a couple of times during yeah. the movie, yeah. but maybe not when I was supposed to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Some of the fight sequences are yeah. kind of handled in a weird, awkward way. Yeah. And it's not just that I don't believe the blows, but it's this sort of self-congratulatory, yeah, that, that <laughs> Shaft does a few times after he defeats his opponent. Yeah. Kind of make me chortle, and not because it was awesome. Yeah. And there's a hilarious sequence when one of the big bads takes a fall <laughs> off of this walkway. Yeah. And this, this clear dummy is like doing this... Yeah end over end fall and yeah. just lands like a, a piece of hardwood on the pavement at the bottom and yeah. it's so not convincing as to be kind of airplane-esque amusing yes yeah <laughs> but uh i got some joy out of that yeah. but again those weren't intentional pieces of joy i yeah. in that in those places i came close to laughing at the movie instead of yeah. with it which is not good i guess yeah. um it's it's fine, you know. I, yeah. I I find myself going back to this. You need to stop feeling much. guilty, man. <laughs> but no, I mean generally with movies, yeah. too many of my reviews end with, "It's fine." <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of where I'm at with Shaft's big score. I think it's, it's hard. fine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard making creating a mythical, you know, superhero kind of character. Um, it, it was not quite getting into the James Bond category. We'll talk about that with the next one. But, you know, at this point, they wanted to make this enduring 
hero archetype franchise. Oh yeah, yeah, and and you can see that with Shaft's big score. You know, a man who smiles a lot and you know walks between the lines between you know the police force and you know the the mob in the big city and any other sort of you know criminal underworld who just keeps on walking and smiling and taking punches and saving dames, if you will. And this seems less about um, you know. Rubbing it in Whitey's face, and more yeah, about, there is less race bending at this movie. Yeah, it's it's more about being a straight action movie, and I, that that stuff doesn't really bother me. I understand yeah. why it's there, yeah. but this movie seems to be focusing on no, let's make this a big action piece. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, again, I'm gonna beat up on Roundtree again. There's like, sure. Uh, there are a few moments where he's supposed to emote and give a shit. Yeah. And they're actually trying to give dimension to Shaft. And yeah. I don't know if he's up for the task. It's the Jean-Claude Van Damme world of acting. The, no! <laughs> not, even, not even the no. But the whole thinking, it's like, hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm, this I'm, is I'm, I, thoughtful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Richard, we need, we need you to be thinking about something. I want a taco. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Look, once again, Roundtree's never been known as an as amazing actor. Um, I do love the supporting cast uh, in this movie. Uh, I think, once again, it's all about the journey uh, and, and soaking up that kind of style. I'm going to give uh, a shout out both to both Moses Gunn, who is a... Bumpy's back. Bumpy's back, but also Wally Taylor. He's sort of our, one of our main antagonists. He's the one that is running around the trying the whole movie, trying to keep his evil scheme together. And I never really felt bad for him. But there were stakes for him. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you could tell that he was always hanging by a thread. And then when he finally gets his comeuppances, you're just like, you're out of your misery more than anything else. Yeah. Um, but in that way, he kind of had more dimension than Shaft. Yeah. Shaft is never that way. Shaft is never on his heels. He's never like worried. He's kind of the glue of the whole movie. And you know, if you stop and you think about it, he gets shot in the shoulder and it's like, what else? Yeah. And again, Bruce Willis and Die Hard would do the same shit. Yeah. But there's just something like, there's, he's, he, even though he takes a bullet, he's right. bulletproof. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wonder if actually Wally Taylor has more screen time than John Shaft himself because we do follow him quite a bit through the movie and him trying to juggle all these balls even when he's trying to go to another gangster saying uh, hey you know Shaft is coming and he's coming for you he's being sort of Machiavellian with his, his schemes I found his story actually a little more compelling than Shaft figuring everything out in a lot of ways we certainly did find, spend a lot of time following him around the city and yeah. again those driving shots and okay I mean driving shots yeah fine whatever one thing I forgot to mention when talking about the original Shaft Isaac Hayes score not just the quintessential song but the music in the original Shaft in the original Shaft is so good you can tell it's kind of missing here he comes back for like one or two songs but the score throughout the movie itself just didn't quite do it for me so I miss that with this next I'm movie I'm at war with it and this happens quite a bit through all the movies but we're talking about it now so let's talk about it now sure the sort of big band 70s score yeah. a lot of horns a lot of uh, yeah. percussion um, it's really cool and I think it was highly popular club music at the time yeah but not always appropriate for what we're seeing. It'll okay. be like they're trying to raise tension, but instead we're getting this sort of 
brass dance number and yeah. it's not helping the stakes yeah. I find usually the score is telling you the emotional temperament of the movie yeah. and that's not always the case in these movies sometimes okay. they're just playing funk because they're playing funk you know yeah. Like, yeah. The, the, he's meeting some guy in a seedy back alley maybe we'd be establishing some mood no and I mean then if, if some, maybe the idea is if violence suddenly erupts it's more surprising but uh, yeah it's weird because typically I find the music is there to help the story or help tell you what's happening. Yeah. And uh, this sort of seems like they bought a bunch of music and they, they got the movie and they just yeah. poured it on yeah. top of it. Sometimes it helped, sometimes it hindered, yeah. but it was always there. <laughs> yeah, and the fight scenes are comedic. We haven't learned, a, we haven't learned or American cinema hadn't really learned a lot of beautiful stage craft fighting. You can tell... There, it, I, I call it the you know the the Star Trek time of fighting. Yes, where very much where Kirk fights. Kirk fights where he you know comes up. He's got his hands. I, 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 you're not seeing this at home, but <laughs> imagine having your hands up like you're praying like above your head, and he like you know Hammering punches into down. his back, and the and the other actor's like oh you know doing this big over dramatic top. You've shattered my rib cage. Yeah, and the punches like the, the sound is over the top, and their faces like Whoa. part of it is you're right. The time it came out in, like, the, the and the other part is we are spoiled yeah. by the action that we've been getting in the last. There's been a real renaissance and like yeah. crazy action the last few years. We're getting movies like Dread and The Raid and the yeah. John Wick series, and so like after you've There's seen those, beautiful, to watch these fight want, sequences, yeah. it becomes like. Oh, this is what children do when they pretend to fight yeah. on a schoolyard. It is not credible. <laughs> yeah, but I, once again, I would dare you to look at the the start, the original Paramount Star Trek films, and it's the same way. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you have to sort of know that you're wa- what time you're watching the movie, and and yeah. you'll either go with it or you won't. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think people would either they'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do enjoy Shaft's wordy wordplay. A lot more in this film. There's a line. Well, there's a scene involving. I think he's trying to get out of the building with, with, with a kind of weird elevator chase sequence, and there's that old lady that comes up and talking about profanity. I thought that was kind of amusing. But also, there's a scene where he's Shaft is meeting the mobsters, and he walks past one of the evil henchmen and says, "You really need to go see a doctor about that condition." And the guy goes, "What condition?" And he says, "Well, your air hole is too close, too close to, to your mouth." mouth. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know things like that that made me laugh. Like that's that that's tidyman right there to me. Um, so yeah, as you can maybe tell, I'm a little more liking Shaft's big score than I, th- than I think you. But once again, it's 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 the tropes as well, the, the long sequences of the sort of seventies. I don't want to come off like I hate it. Like I said. Yeah. It's fine for yeah. what it is for the time it came out. Again, yeah. <laughs> like, but they're trying to establish a black superhero, if mm-hmm. anything. Um. It's, we'll talk about it more in the next movie, but I think we should touch on it here because we did it in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll bump into it again and again in other movies, but the movie's so well-intentioned in that it's you know trying to give the black community a superhero. Yeah. The treatment of women. Yeah. <laughs> by Shaft. Yeah. Is a backward step, right? And we'll see yeah. in both Blackula and in... Uh, uh, Superfly, and, well, and in uh, Cleopatra Jones, the portrayal of homosexuals—they're they're vilified largely, or right? hugely negatively stereotyped. It's yeah. just interesting, like this one step forward, two step backs. Like, yeah, Shaft is this, the coolest person who's ever been on screen, but he treats women like Kleenex, right? <laughs> he does prideful, yeah. But 
would we, we're not bothered by James Bond doing that, right? So why should we be bothered by Shaft doing that? Yeah. But I'm just talking about, like, when, in the opening, we were talking about Hollywood's altruistic intentions. Mm. One of the reasons I question that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, if they were altruistic, you know, maybe they would be even-handed in their portrayal of all of them. But, yeah. no, this movie's about black power. So black power and fuck everything else, right? Yeah. So, um... But again, I think that Shaft's score is less interested in that aspect to its benefit. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's a little bit hindered by the time it came out. And also, just by the time it came out, with some of the things that people say casually in this movie, yeah, hit our ears pretty hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you if, if you're gonna have a problem hearing the N word, woo, yeah, nigger, bitches, faggot, like all of these these things that at the time were said at the dinner table, right? That yeah. nobody questioned. Like I'm not even talking about. There's a few times where they're actively used, you know, to, to call out a character. But even just casually, some some of the stuff that comes out of people's mouths yeah. is pretty surprising. You, you realize, well, culturally, we actually have moved quite quite a bit forward. Um, and I and I would say quickly. Yeah. Like this, I, I like we were alive during the seventies. Maybe not when this movie but, first came I, out. I, was, but, I came out in seventy six. I think I, all of these movies beat me to the punch, but yeah, not. By but much. no, but I think think how quickly things ha- have changed in that regard yeah. where in this day and age we have to be very careful even you know as, as white people as white men saying I that word I get worried I talk about on my podcast sometimes like I'm gonna some imaginary thing's gonna come and swat me and say you're not allowed to say these things but yeah. I mean at that point it's just inhibiting conversation but yes I've said it many times on the podcast I talked about it in our satire episode I don't think movies like Blazing Saddles or Heathers or the life of Brian mm-hmm. could get greenlit today, yeah. and that's horrifying to me, right? Yeah. Like I think that you got to be able to tell the truth, and being able to tell the truth sometimes means saying stuff that's going to make people uncomfortable. In so, order to think and solve problems, you need to run the risk of offending people. Yeah. So, yeah. and again, the interesting thing about this stuff is that, much like with Blazing Saddles, the stuff that made a big noise when it came out is sort of not as big a deal today. It's more just the shock of just the general treatment of the women throughout the movie or the mm-hmm. casual use of the word faggot or the casual use yeah. of, like, that stuff, it seems like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, like, whoa. And to the movie's benefit, it's not trying to, to ring any bells about this stuff. It's just uh, an authentic reflection of its time. Yeah. But it's funny that some people will be offended by yeah. that authentic representation of yeah. the time. Yeah. Yep. No. Is there anything else you want to say about Shaft's Big no, Score? No, no. Um, I'd say check out Shaft's Big Score. Um, it's you know your typical 1970s action crime thriller. Um, check it out, personally. Shaft, tracking down a ring of 20th century slave runners across two continents. Listen, if Shaft is still breathing by this time tomorrow, I'll have you killed. Why don't you really clamp down on the slave trade? I'll tell you why. Because the black ghettos of Paris is as far away from the Champs-Élysées as 125th Street is from Park Avenue. From the sin towns of the Ivory Coast. You know who I am, don't you? Who told you who? Talk! To a slave ship on the Red Sea. All right, gentlemen. Everyone into the hold. Go on, move it. Black Africa 
shaft of all in the hottest place of all shaft in africa um shaft in africa yep here's where we full-on elevate shaft where his his awesomeness is just too big for like cops and robbers or, or yeah. gangster bullshit he's gonna go out and out full on James Bond for yeah. this movie notice that his his pad or his place that keeps on getting like more expensive richer richer with each film as well I also don't really fully ever explain what he does they do the same thing with Cleopatra Jones yeah. it's just like she can do whatever she wants whenever she wants Watch wherever it. she wants yeah. like, she's got her jurisdiction is fucking the planet yeah. earth yeah but, uh, she walks between the raindrops <laughs> We get it, John Shaft. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, he's being asked to go undercover to break up this European slave-running outfit. A yeah. bunch of uh, French uh, intellectuals are yeah. basically yeah, sh- shipping and selling slave labor to, to Paris. Yeah. And uh, so because it's going on a more global scale and because it's taking on the tough issue of slavery dead on, You'd think that, you know, this would be the tougher, smarter shaft. Unfortunately, it is not. It is the clearly the dumbest of the three shaft movies. No. Uh, his behavior as an undercover agent, I say making air quotes, is like, yeah. and again, I can't, in this case, I'm not even going to put it all on Roundtree. Yeah. Like on a script level, <laughs> this guy does not know how to be undercover. Yeah. <laughs> he does not like, and again, the stakes should be life and death. And like these people's fate, not just his fate, but yeah. like all of these these would be slaves. Like we should be taking this pretty fucking seriously, yeah. and we are not. Yeah, he kind of makes some real questionable decisions. I don't want to get too close to the end, but uh, one of uh, his female counterparts that he obviously beds at one point. I, I, I kind of turned a little bit how he treats her, I, I, even after she's killed. He just kind of puts her on a boat and out to sea. And I'm well, just like, oh, dude. The treatment of women, I guess, is consistent. But there's something almost Orwellian about it. Whereas, yeah. like I said, Shaft treats women like Kleenex for yeah. all of the movies. Yeah. But in this movie, it's not enough that they're treated like Kleenex. Yeah. They want Shaft so bad. Like, yeah. it's, it's the, the, the raison d'etre is to make love to Shaft just once and be yeah. discarded by him right yeah like i've never been enough. made love like that by it's not enough man. to give in that's to cool you. baby yeah. yeah it's not enough to give in to your orwellian overlords you have to thank them yes. right yeah <laughs> so that rubbed me the wrong way yeah. and it, it really escalates the nudity as each movie has in the first shaft movie it's kind of arty what well, is a exploitation film yeah yeah and then the second movie there's a couple ladies with their boobs out this movie is like full on seventies push going on. Like there's there's like nakedness all over the place, whether it needs it or not. Yeah. Um, and then there's the tests that Shaft's asked to go through to prove that he would be a worthy applicant for this. Like, yeah. Very strange, very strange, uncomfortable stuff. And again, if it was taking it as seriously as the first movie did, uh, this would be maybe a a, a pretty gritty 
punchy thriller. Yeah. But because, again, it, everything is put aside except for the style and how cool John Shaft is, yeah. this is the closest it came to being a little bit distasteful to me. All right. I can laugh at it. And again, I found the whole relationship with that woman who's desperate to shag him finally gets to have sex with him after he she tells him basically the entire like yeah. plan. Yeah. And once she's, A, given out all the information that she's needed, and B, had sex with Shaft, her character has no further use. So she is immediately killed off yeah. and like you say Chef sets her to sea in a boat and forgets that she ever existed yeah <laughs> but like, even tells her father it was so <laughs> tuneless and wrong footed yeah that like it almost became funny like if I thought they were making a statement on it I would say bravo but they were not movie. making <laughs> they were not making a statement on it they yeah. were blissfully unaware of how tactless that yeah. was yeah. and it, again that <laughs> that rubs yeah. me a little bit the wrong way yeah yeah uh, and again it's less uh, prisoner of the stylus conceits that we're going to talk about again as far as following Shaft as he drives across the city. We didn't have to deal with that as much. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to its credit, it gave some the best stakes for Shaft. Like when the apartment fire happens in the third act and like yeah. most of the slavers that he's traveled with and been with are killed, like burned alive. Yeah. There's some genuine... That sucks to like there. Yeah, <laughs> it's as close to a real emotion as I felt maybe in the entire trilogy. Like those people died, and if Shaft was more on point, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Right. Yeah. So then uh, the the final shootout when he's murdering these evil French European guys, you know, there's there's little bit of little bit of stakes and a little bit of punch there. Believe it or not, I think from a technical standpoint, this movie's a little more. It's probably the most polished out of all of them the direct the director has changed this time it's uh john gillerman, gillerman when yeah. it's not gordon parks the fight sequences are a little better we've got some great fight sequences with some staff which sort of replaces the long-winded punches that we've seen in the earlier films so i do think there's a greater focus on some of the fight sequences the chase sequences um obviously we've got a bigger mat to play with with both Africa I think Egypt I think shows up um, as well as France and you know New York Brooklyn again once again they've raised the 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 game playing field on a yeah. new level Hollywood for years especially the makers of James Bond have been threatening to make a different James Bond they've been dabbling out for a while now that they might have an African American James Bond just to test the waters. I say I, I say that's already been done. Exhibit A, we have Shaft in Africa. Oh, absolutely. Yes. This is James Bond Shaft. This they is even a, make a reference, I believe, directly in the movie. Yeah. Uh, he says, no, I'm not James Bond, I'm Sam Spade. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. More I, than I, once, I hope, actually. Yeah, I hope I didn't misquote it. But yeah, no, this is, this is a James Bond film. Yeah. They decided to change it up completely. I think they decided to embrace a lot more of what an exploitation movie was. We have an increased amount of nudity. I think we have an increased amount of violence and blood, to be yeah. perfectly honest. So they are embracing that more schlocky angle of it. Um, and I think you're allowed to have a, to elevate the sexuality and the violence, especially when you're playing in the Bond field. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that if, like, we're okay with Shaft doing everything he does in the same way we'd be okay with uh, James Bond doing everything he does, except for his callous disregard of the slave traders. Like, he actually, when he gets to Africa, they say, uh, your cover's been blown, yeah. so we'll understand if you don't want to do this. And he's mm -hmm. like, I've got 100G. 
So I'm being paid to be here. Twenty five thousand a year, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it was. yeah, yeah but a lot of money at the time. And uh, and then they said, "Well, this is all about the money." And he said, "Yeah, and maybe getting my picture taken with a lion." Yeah. But again, these people who were being sold as slaves. Again, I think his arc changes when he gets back to France, though. And maybe uh, and with the fire, but yeah. like by that time he's lived with them for this long, and he's seen like all that they've been going through. Yeah. And again, I'm so sorry, Mister Roundtree. Perhaps an actor who with a little bit more depth would have read as like he yeah. wasn't taking it seriously at the beginning, but there was a reason for it, so we could see the slow turn in his character. Yeah, I didn't see that slow turn in his character. This is what I would call sort of a social justice revenge fantasy, mm-hmm. where a, a, a group long oppressed is finally getting back at their oppressors. Right. And Glorious Bastards, yeah, and Glorious Bastards is Django. <laughs> or Django and Jane is Exhibit A and B of you know these kind of films, and that's fine. They're ridiculous in a lot of things. Both those films, all three of those films. But imagine have. Django and Jane if Django was indifferent to the slavery. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is a case for him in the beginning. Yes, yeah, <laughs> but the whole theme is you know the the biggest baddest brother in town is going He's back to the motherland. He's too busy being John Shaft to think too deeply about it. I guess. Uh, I think the journey changes him and though. To in its defense, uh, a James Bond movie would never touch on the subject. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. James Bond, there will always be a clear black hat, a clear white hat, yeah. and we're not going to worry about it. So it's a it's a it's a more complex layer. And again. We would take it more seriously today, obviously, than they were willing to take it in '73. Yeah. I love but the again, opening hero yeah. shot he gets with the music <laughs> once again. It's the, oh, there's the familiar chef music. Bam, bam, <laughs> Sees a bunch of thieves trying to jack his car, and he goes after him. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the fighting too. Like, okay, the staff, sure. The staff fighting, I kind of get uh, the sort of right of passage of tribal thing. Yeah. They were they were kidnapping tribal people, and they yeah. could make the la- the line about Shaft being good with the yeah. stick. <laughs> There's a scene towards the end of the movie where one of the imprisoned black people gets their hand on a spear and chucks it into the back of one of the made villains. And <laughs> it's uncomfortable to me how on the nose that was. <laughs> you know what I mean? it, This movie is not subtle. And again, maybe like that just wouldn't happen if it was today. Maybe it's just because I'm looking at it through the lens of 2019. But yeah. that seems so tunelessly on the nose that he threw a spear into that guy's back. That I was just like, seriously? Dude. <laughs> oh, are you trying to make me uncomfortable? This is turning into Curb Your Enthusiasm right now. I yeah. feel uncomfortable watching this. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Some of the stereotypes that... I'm sure we're deemed sort of at least, you know, chuckle-worthy are in this stage. Ooh, really? Uh, it reminds me of when I reviewed uh, Lifeboat, yeah. the Ron Canada actor, the one black character on the yeah. boat. And he's got some screen time and he's like a sympathetic character. But the thing that he's good at is picking pockets. Yeah. And how unfortunate that it was like the one black character is like yeah. his skill is picking. <laughs> it's yeah. sort of like stuff like that. And again, but... At this point, Lifeboat would have almost been 25 years old, right? So I kind of thought we'd maybe come forward a little bit past that point. Uh, I would like, again, I'm such an okey-doke white person. I'm like the white guy who claps when the plane lands, okay? (laughs) So, like, uh, maybe uh, I should not take offense on behalf (laughs) of of other people. But I could, in my my head, (laughs) my... You know, in my head, I can imagine, you know, somebody maybe 
taking offense to some of the yeah. the blasé approach to slavery. Yeah. Well, and that's what's the word I'm looking for here? That's the sort of oxymoron or the good and bad of films like these, where you know Spike Lee had a term for it. I'm going to use it in this context here, uh, and I apologize for the people at home. Coonery buffoonery. Yeah, I'm using a quote by Spike Lee, where there's there's an element of that with these movies uh, where I think racial stereotypes are played up, which is why I always sort of look at who are the people making and writing this movie? You know, are they perpetuate, are they perpetuate, perpetuating a stereotype? I didn't notice it as much in the first two, but here in Shaft in Africa, I started to notice it. Cleopatra Jones is kind of bad for it as well, where I kind of wondered, is this a white artist or writer writing what he thinks African-Americans speak like in 1970s urban America. I don't know. Once again, I'm not, I'm not African-American. You know, I was but a babe in 76, so I don't know. Yeah, but it's, it's one of those thoughts that kind of danced in my head um, where, you know, I, I get you're, you're, it's supposed to be a pro-African-American rah-rah movie, but at the same time, you're perpetuating negative stereotypes that today people would be like, one yeah. finger going, Ugh. And again, I understand the evil white corrupt cop. Mm. Absolutely. That's a necessary character in these movies as yeah, far yeah. as I'm concerned. That's not going to offend me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, if you're going to tackle something as serious as, as slave trading, I think you should take it more seriously than Shaft in Africa does. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think even the filmmakers of Shaft in Africa would say that. Right. I think they made out to make a sort of James Bond-esque movie yeah. with a black lead character at the end of the day. I think that's, that's what they were going for. Um, I, I don't think they were going for any huge political statement on slavery. No, I don't Black James Bond was as deep as they thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so I guess if that's what you go into the movie expecting, like a, a, a Sean Connery era Bond only with John Shaft in the lead, yeah. you're going to get that here. And it's going to be a little bit more violent, a little more sexual than you're going to expect. Yeah. But um, again, it, it, it continues what, what for me was a disappointing sort of line of diminishing returns for Shaft. I want to do a shout out to character actor Frank McRae, but also Frank Finley, who is a British actor. Amafi. Uh, uh, Amafi, yes. Frank Finley, for people at home who are big movie nerds, might know him from the movie Life Force. He played the sort of Abraham Van Helsing character. Right. Uh, he popped up and it was like, hey, it's the that, dude. that guy. But also McRae, I've seen before many, many times. That's one thing I like about seeing these movies is you see character actors that you have seen before. There's also one in Shaft's big score. Shaft's, one of the, one of the criminal buddies is, you know, also in Blazing Saddles. I saw, and I forget his name right now, but it was like, oh, I've seen him before. So it's neat to see them in, in other work. But it was, yeah, I thought, uh, even though it's very much a character type, the uh, Frank Finley character, Amafi, mm-hmm. um, shout out to him. Look, this movie is silly. Silly, silly, silly. It's a James Bond movie. Yeah. It, it, that's what it is. Do and not take it seriously, because if you take it seriously, it's offensive. So uh, A little bit, yeah, a so, little bit. So um, just but, take it for the time it came in, and it's like but a it made James me, Bond. Yeah, but it did, it did make me smile and all its stereotypes, if you will. Yeah. Um, I can understand why people would be offended with this movie. Um, but at the same time, I think you have to embrace what the climate was at the time. And this is just escapist 
social justice revenge fantasy. Yeah. Um, Tarantino sure loves this. I wouldn't be surprised if this is his favorite Shaft movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just guessing here. Shaft in Africa. Ayo. This dude is bad. And he ain't just fly. He's super fly. Yeah. Super fly. When it comes to women, they come to him. But it's still not enough. He wants a big score. A million in cash. Yeah. The big one. This is a chance, and I want to take it. Now. Before I have to kill somebody. Before somebody ices me. What kind of money are we talking about? Not much. I want his ass out working. Superfly. Yep. 1972. This would yep. have come out right smack in the middle of the, the Shaft trilogy. A uh, year after Shaft, yeah. Yeah. Um, here's why I think it's head and shoulders better than any of the Shaft movies. Sure. The character, even though he's hyper stylized and super cool and, and, you know, beautiful and hip with all the ladies or whatever. One of the best drug dealing names ever in Priest. cinematic Youngblood. Yeah. Priest Youngblood. Um,. He feels more real world to me. Mm-hmm. And that's not that he's a black man who deals drugs. It's that uh, it's a familiar cons- construct. Mm-hmm. The Carlito's Way journey, you know, somebody who spent their life doing ill and wants to get out, but finds that they can't. And also find that their only solution to getting out is doing the same thing that they've done all the time. That sort of schizophrenic uh, psychology that is, mm-hmm. my life has been destroyed by drugs, but if I make this one more big deal of drugs, everything's going to go my way, right? Mm-hmm. It's a familiar template, and that's a good and bad thing, because I had an end to it. I get this redemption story, and I get that this character uh, has way more dimension than Shaft was ever able to have, because he's at war with himself. He has doubts. He has worries. Shaft, none of that, mm-hmm. right? So even though he's, quote-unquote, what could be described as a gangster or a bad guy because we know that he's trying to change and do right we can cheer for him and fear for him mm-hmm. that's what was missing in shaft okay i could cheer for shaft but i could never fear for shaft right okay. as this movie was playing out i honestly didn't know if it was going to work out for superfly mm-hmm. if this was going to be a cautionary tale mm-hmm. because either way i think the the you know pro african-american angle would work if you know he ended up dying in a hail of bullets Mm -hmm. but he was trying to change he was trying to do good it would still be a powerful story for the community right Mm -hmm. Uh, but they give him a win that we want him to have right uh so because a it's familiar in in the story we've seen this before so i kind of in more comfortable ground and that i can I can fear for my character, and mm-hmm. I can I, I feel more for the character. I was two hundred percent more involved in Superfly than I was in any of the Shaft movies. Mm-hmm. Even the stuff that I would complain about that was present in the Shaft movies, like the endless car sequences of people like you driving from point A to point B. It honestly felt like they only had an hour of movie. <laughs> And they just sort of like stretched it out. But mm-hmm. instead of it feeling like filler, it felt 
it felt like atmosphere because it was a micro budget movie too they were like getting weird angles and weird shots from across the streets probably shooting without permits right mm -hmm. so it almost looked like Superfly was under some kind of surveillance like I could make excuses for the movies that made sense to me and it I got into the world and I cared about what was going on like I said more than any of the Shaft movies so so far of the black exploitation movies that we've talked about mm -hmm. I think Superfly is handily the best of them but I'm happy to hear a second to me <laughs> um, it's definitely I think a little more complex of a story and there's a huge at least drive for authenticity that the Shaft films I think tended to like poo poo away from he still um, sleeps with all the women and he's still super stylish yeah. But he exists in the real world. Yeah. Um, producer Sig Shore uh, saw the ticket returns for uh, Badass. It was a sweet, sweet badass. Bad, uh, song. But also um, Shaft and wanted to get in on this market. And so he got in touch with the director of Shaft's son, Gordon Parks Jr. And together they made... Superfly, which is sort of this weird, weird little connection, and actually used a lot of the people who may who were involved in making the Shaft also got involved in making of Superfly. Um, what they wanted to do was show a little, a lot more authentic story of what, uh, at least according to what the filmmakers have said mm -hmm. through the documentaries here that, that I saw, was a lot more authentic, you know, urban sort of. Mo there's a tactile yeah. handheld yeah. approach to the movie. It's a very, you can tell a, it's an independent movie. In a way that helps the grit feel like... It's, yeah. it's not a Hollywood movie trying to accomplish grit. Yeah. It's like legit grit, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. And once again, they wanted to, to bore off of you know that wave that the, the, that the French connection really sort of brought into mainstream media. Here's something, though. The lead character is such a complex because he's not really a your quote unquote hero. No, you you, you he's do deeply flawed. You do cheer for him, especially towards the end when he's, you know, punching out the police commissioner. Spoilers. Mm -hmm. Um and in and his cop henchman, you're like you're rooting for him because he's sticking it to the so called man, yeah. if you will. Um but at the same time it's a very cautionary tale. I don't remember him slapping it around any women, but he's definitely this He has several girlfriends who he social treats, pariah. He treats them indifferently. Uh, he snorts and, cocaine out of a cross. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things right out of the way, out of the gate that impressed me because we first see him laying next to, in the bed next to a, a naked woman, yeah. shocker of shocks, yeah. and he's got this cross around his neck. So mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, duality. He's a drug dealer, but he's a religious man. Yeah. But then we see him immediately use that cross to scoop and snort cocaine, oh. and I'm like, already this is way more complex than Shaft ever was in yeah. any of the entries, right? Yeah. Like, this guy, there's duality to him. There's layers to him. Like, yeah. um, again, the treatment of women, I almost just have to choose to, <laughs> just to yeah. let go. Um, other interesting things about the movie, it, it's, it kind of made me understand um, uh, the respect, I guess, that gangsters get in the in certain to certain people in in, in the African culture. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not that yay yay you're a drug dealer. It's that 
your entire life is in existence in opposition of the man, right? Yeah. Not only do you survive, but you thrive in that environment. Mm -hmm. What tends to always get ignored is all of the lives that get destroyed to the left and right, usually including their own. Yeah. But, but we don't. We, we we don't. We see that with Superfly. That's what I'm saying. We see why these people are respected among their community and why they shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's again more than Shaft ever offered, right? Yeah. Uh, I appreciated that. <laughs> I think of that chase sequence. The movie actually starts where it follows two junkies who will go around sort of carelessly robbing people. And eventually they make the decision to try and rob Priest Youngblood. Yeah. And we get that chase sequence, which is sort of beautifully shot through the back alleys and streets of New York City. And eventually, um, Superfly, Priest, catches up with the one who's still running, climbs up into his apartment... And Superfly gets a hold of him and beats brutally him brutally beats him. in front of his family and kids. Like, you know, the guy's vomiting up drugs. It's so bad. It's, you're, you're kind of going, oh, like, it, is this guy someone we want to root for? And but he we was don't. going to make a buy, so presumably that was a substantial sum of money. That yeah, no, I get made. why he chased him. Yeah, yeah. And I get, I even get the whole why he beat him. It was just yeah. like... That is not okay. Do not do that, or else this will happen to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, uh, there's layers to that character. And does he feel it? What does he feel about it afterwards, too? Yeah. Um, and there is real hatred in that character for white people, right? Yeah. But we understand where it comes from. Uh, there's a scene early in the movie where one of uh, another gangster refers to him as white-looking. Yeah. And he loses his composure completely over it. Yeah. I, I'm a gangster. I'm a drug dealer. I'm a criminal. But don't call me white. Yeah. I will kick your fucking head in. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, uh, he's got his own biases and flaws as well. But... Uh, he wants to break this pattern. He wants to change. And typically the trajectory in this, uh, I, th I think I always go to Carlito's Way because that was the first one that I saw uh, that really connected with me mm. of that the guy who's been tr been so bad for so long is trying to make a change but cannot seem to exist. Like mm -hmm. It never seems to work out. The reward of Superbad, of Superfly, not Superbad, I'm sorry. Yeah. The reward of Superfly is that he does get away with, like, quote, get away with it. He more than gets away with it. He paints himself into he a He goes corner. to Europe by the end of the... Well, he, he in the sequel, he's ended up in Europe, yeah. He knows who all of the corrupt cops are, and yeah. they all know who he is, but they can't do a thing about it. They can't do a thing about it. He's in a position where he can wave a middle finger at the man and walk away. And that's what's going to be the big win for the audience of this movie. Yeah. It's not that the drug dealer got away with it necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's that he he spit in the face of the man mm -hmm. and the man just had to take it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And again, I completely understand why that would connect. And then like I'm, I'm sort of on board for it. Yeah. Is Priest a good guy? Does he walk away from this clean? Is yeah. he still going to have a drug problem? Is his life probably still going to be connected in some way to criminal enterprises and violence? Likely. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think this has been the be-all, end-all solution. But a guy who never gets a win, gets a win. Yeah. And in a better way than it ain't hard being a pimp, by the way. Yeah. Because, fuck that. <laughs> How many dicks did you suck today? Oh, none? Then it's not quite as hard to be a pimp as it is to be a prostitute, is it? Right? So, uh, yeah. They... they kind of glamorize it but they show it for its ugliness well the uh, there's also a, a line that said more than once is that you know the white man only wants us to make us money via drug dealing so that there's even they're even talking about systematic racism in this film then by being a drug dealer you're playing into the white man's hand yeah yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's less a glamorization and more an examination. Yep. Yeah. And I can respect that. Yeah. No. Um, but out of all the six films, this is the one that stayed with me the most. I, I found that sort of surprising. It was the mean streets of this list. Kind of. Kind of. Um, I, I saw it a couple of times. I saw it a couple of times. Um, one When I first saw it, I had real problems with the Youngblood character. Because I, I, I really sort of took him as a really anti-hero. And I still think he is. But we, but what I caught the second time a lot more was this desire to... The whole end game is to get out of it. I'm looking for the big score, the big one, I'm to sorry, get out of it. I'm getting their names confused, but there's the trifecta of the three gangsters who we get most to know. The older guy who they get the big deal out from. Yeah. Who ends up getting iced. Yeah. And then his younger partner, who he brings in on this deal in the opposite, the auspices, that this will be their last job. But the deeper into the job they get, the more it's clear that to the priest character, it's his last job. But to his partner, yeah. it's the next job. Yeah, but he even he said in the beginning, like, you know, we've made so much money doing this, why do you want to give this up kind of yeah. thing? But we, we yeah. see them slowly sort of and going he's their the one separate that, that kind of betrays him a little so bit. So the father figure, and again, father figure is a gangster drug dealer. It's not a necessarily, he's portrayed positively, but I mean, if you look at it with, with clear eyes, you yeah. know, uh, but he seems resigned to the corruption, and he yeah. knows to, to try and bend the rules in any way is probably going to fuck him. And you know what? Yeah. He's right. Yeah. <laughs> and he loses huge, right? And Priest sees that as his future. Yeah. And he's changed that fate. His fate may not be perfect, but it's not going to be that fate. Yeah. Uh, the, it gave me the most to think about it. It was the uh, familiar, most familiar in story structure, but again, the yeah. most successful in its storytelling. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I think what made this movie a step higher was, like I said, it's at least its desire to be a lot more authentic, uh, uh, true. Yeah. Uh, and and that that's what, what, what sort of dragged me in. I really like Ron O'Neill actually. I know he's you sort of argue he is miles better than Richard Roundtree. He's an actor. I think he does. He's asked mainly to do what Richard Roundtree does, but I I think there's a little bit more of a performance coming there. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of the performance is him looking cool in locations yeah. and shaking hands with people, and then they leave. Like yeah. they, I, I won't lie, there is filler in this movie. But yeah. whereas I was watching the Shaft trilogy and then. Yeah. They would go to one of these segue scenes or one of these music numbers, yeah. and I could feel my shoulders slump and okay. be like, "Oh shit!" Now I got to wait for the story to start in another five or ten minutes, yeah. right? I didn't necessarily feel that shoulder slump happen with Superfly. I felt I was in the world enough that I just absorbed the atmosphere. It didn't yeah. seem as distracting to me. Okay, okay, but no. Um, once again, I like the music of Superfly, Curtis Mayfield. The Pusher Man. Again, I appreciate that song. Listen yeah. to the lyrics as they're being sung. It yeah. is not a positive portrayal of yeah. a drug dealer. No, but your it's Pusher more Man, a... your friendly neighborhood Pusher Man, is not somebody that you should want to be. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good enough? Good enough. You are no match for that black lady. I'll take care of Cleopatra Jones. 
Cleopatra Jones, starring Tamara Dobson. Co-starring Bernie Casey, Brenda Sykes, Esther Rose, and Shelley Winters as Mommy. So I was just complimenting Superfly that it felt much more real world than the Shaft movies and therefore I liked it. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to do is the reverse of that for Cleopatra Jones and say that Cleopatra Jones is not in the real world at all and for that reason I really enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's closer to what I expected Shaft was going to be. Okay. In that like everybody knows who Cleopatra Jones is. We don't as audience members, but in this yeah. world, yeah. everybody knows who Cleopatra Jones is. Yeah. This chick can gun down three guys in an airport and just walk away from it and tell the local police to handle it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Shows them a badge. Just sort of like nonchalant. Yeah. I just killed three people and I got I got places to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's completely ludicrous. She, in the first opening moments of the movie, she's destroyed this poppy field in... Where were they? Pakistan, I want to say. I don't remember. It's not really important. She destroys like $30 million worth of poppies and yeah. uh, really undercuts the industry of this gangster mommy played by Shelley Winters. Academy Award winning. winner. Two times. Um, everybody in the movie is a kind of a cartoon. Uh, and yeah. and uh, the movie's kind of okay with it. Uh, there's... I remember this movie in the opening credit sequence uh, goes out of its way to, to credit this uh, sensei who, who taught and, and executed and choreographed all of these amazing karate fights, mm-hmm. which are, again, hilariously PG and tame, like, not convincing or credible at all, yeah. but in a way has to be kind of charming at the same yeah. time. There's a great scene where there's an attempted assassination on Cleopatra Jones. Yeah. These two guys are shooting at her and her boyfriend from a rooftop, yeah. and she's firing back, and the squibs are not hitting anywhere close to yeah. anybody. It's like both sides, like two groups of stormtroopers trying yeah. to shoot each yeah. other. But again, huge smile on my face yeah. while this is happening. Does it have prolonged sequences of people driving from point A to point B? Yeah. yeah. Does it have like scenes where everything stops for a club number while this woman sings? Yeah. Does it have characters that talk for a long time about stuff that has nothing to do with the plot? Yeah. Yes. And I'm all smiles. This is the kind of, I think, energetic fun vibe that, that old older Tarantino movies really kind of cashed in, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's silly, it's over the top, it's not the real world, but it's fun enough that you can you can get behind it. Yeah. You are not going to learn anything <laughs> from Cleopatra Jones. It's not in any way a smart movie, yeah. but it's fun, it's stylish. Um, I can get off on Cleopatra Jones the way some women can maybe get off on Richard Roundtree, right? Sure. I, I can. She's a very attractive woman, yeah. and uh, she's more than just set dressing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's my opening salvo. Is Cleopatra a, Jones a smart movie? No. Is it a fun movie? Yes. Did I have fun watching the movie? Yes. Yeah. Again, it's one of those things. Uh, if someone said, "Is it a good movie?" Okay. I don't know if I could say it's a good movie, but I could say, "Sure, watch it. Check it's, it out." It's entertaining. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> almost in a so bad it's good kind of way. Almost. But it, it would feel uncharitable to call it bad at the same time. But it's it's a film of its time. <laughs> yes. Once again, it's a James Bond movie. You've you, you've said it. Um, 
I knew I was all smiles and all in, even from the opening minutes when it's actually Turkey they're, they're Turkey. in. Is it? Where okay. you've got like two different armies coming together and they're all walking around, kind of like, why are we here? What are we doing? Oh, Cleopatra <laughs> Jones is here. Well, follow her orders. Yeah, yeah. Is she here yet? Is she here yet? And she comes just like waiting on through. And it's almost like you've got the hero music. Once again, they got that opening hero shot. And she's wearing this like gorgeous outfit and, and stands on top of this like sandy hill a la Lawrence of Arabia. To watch the explosion. Of all the poppy fields. <laughs> and just like, yeah, she's a bad mother. Um, the film is redonkulous and embraces the redonkulousness. I even wonder, even at the time, that they knew that we were, they were making a ridiculous movies. Well, Case in point... Shelley Winters Mommy, as which is, Mama. <laughs> Mommy is a really problematic character, I guess, again, watching through the lens of 2019. Yeah. In that she clearly is a vilification of homosexuality, yeah. kind of parceled into her character. Yeah. It's not necessarily subtle. It's not the only thing that she does. Like, she uh, does, you know, hire assassins, and she does have an army of men that she, she she's in charge of and everything like that. But yeah. there's this sort of B-plot quote a bunch of back humor about mama having you know these sexy malls that hang out around her and well, is, is her it a, isn't it her family also like just well, i think it's her family in the way like the, mobsters the, the mobster okay family. Right. i didn't think that she was literally sleeping with her daughters but she see, might that, call them in in uh see that was the one thing i, I kind of turned my head a little bit is like is this family or uh, I watched too many documentaries about prison life, but uh, a lot of times uh, the female gangsters are controlling their floors. Will have families. They they'll talk about their 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 daughters, their nieces, their nephews. Uh, but because they're in the family, that doesn't preclude any kind of sexual exchange. I don't know if it's fair to put that on her, but I don't think that the movie's being subtle about she's a lesbian, and that's part of the reason that she's... You're the only one that knows how to make Mama happy. Yeah, Yeah, and and that 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 feeds into the badness of her character. We should be less sympathetic to her. Yeah. Um, Again, it's going to go to another level when we talk about Blackula, too, but it's interesting because they're trying to be all, you know, positive and... and, uh, do good things for this one put upon subgroup while simultaneously shitting on another. Yeah. It's like black people are awesome and, and black people might be well, can we can all agree that homosexuals are awful, right? See that's something we could we could bond, right? Yeah. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate. But because the movie is so wall to wall ridiculous, yeah. uh we you know, that's fine. Uh and but she drives a nice car. Yeah. She drives a nice car, and she doesn't treat men necessarily like tissue paper. She doesn't have that same uh, aspect that she has. She knows that every man that she sees wants to sleep with her. But she's <laughs> saving herself, but, but for one. Exactly. Great character actor, Bernie Casey, as well. Who's another one of those guys, like, oh, I've seen you before. <laughs> as soon as yeah. he was on screen, you've been around the block a few times. Yep. Yep. Uh, so... <laughs> I like I like the I like it, but again, it's got every cliche. It's 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 got a car chase in the L.A. River, which is like they don't do those anymore because they've been so done. It was like after Terminator Two, they just retired it, right? That like, cliche, yeah. It, but at the time this was shot, it, it, it wasn't as much. But it yeah. sort of feels like well, that's where car chases happen in, yes. these, in these movies, and, and uh, it's still it's a like kind of a fun like a walk a chicka experience when when that's yeah. happening. And I like that she's good at everything that she does since. 
some way. Uh, yeah. Even when they don't really convince you of it, this is hilarious scene. Yeah. In the early seventies, uh, dirt biking was really cool for some reason. <laughs> People were like, yeah, all there's that weird evil sequence. Evil. Yeah, and, yeah. She's got to talk to a guy, but he's in the middle of a doing some bike race or something like that. So she talks a guy out of his motorbike, charms him out of his motorbike, and then she drives it up a steep hill. And we're supposed to be like. But she's a girl. girl. Yeah. And she doesn't even do any ramps or participate in the race the race in any way. She just drives up a hill and yeah. kicks up a lot of dirt and yeah. then stops. And the guy's like, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. <laughs> you drove that bike like 10 feet up a hill. Well done, girl. I got a spot. Again, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I got a soft spot for these sort of these like one-hit wonder um Actors, Tamara Dobson. I wonder whatever happened to her, um, because all I can really find is that she ha- and this movie made a sequel, yeah. uh, where these two movies, and then that's it. And but Cleopatra Jones made a good chunk of money. You would think that her career could have gone on more, but I can't find a whole lot about it's her. Interesting in that, like, it feels like a middle chapter to the like when we stop into this movie. Like, it feels like we should already know who Cleopatra does. Like, they do yeah. no work about her background. Yeah, it's just it's she, just like she's she here just is. and she's awesome. Has she always been here? Did she like land in some farm backyard? Is she like a Superman type of figure? That's yeah, happening here? Like, yeah. We don't know. It's interesting that they didn't even bother with the origin story. It's just like they know that the origin's not as interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> Becoming the one is not as interesting as being the one well, yeah. some people argue I would say the opposite but yeah. um, they weren't interested in telling us her origin story they were just interested in showing us this badass you know yeah. Cleopatra Jones yeah. and I was receptive to it yeah. I didn't fight it I don't know if I was fighting Shaft or not but again this is what I thought Shaft was going to be I thought yeah. Shaft was going to be over the top and funny and kind of silly and fun yeah. and that's what Cleopatra Jones was for yep. so that's there, what I like it for there is one thing I, I do want to talk about and once again I am by no means an expert it was just something that went through my head and that um, it sort of talks about there's that scene in Jerry Maguire uh, I'm sure you've seen that movie with Tom Cruise it's and been a long time. Renee Zellweger and Cuba Gooding Jr. There's a scene in that movie where uh, Cuba and his wife, and I forget the female actor's name who plays his wife, I'm truly sorry, they're having a conversation with Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger at, at a restaurant and they talked about how they saw a, a black uh, movie, an African-American movie, but uh, uh, all it really was was young black men shooting violence, creating that stereotype of the angry young black men with guns. Uh, a, a racist stereotype, if you will. And I have often wondered about that. I mean, the 90s, we saw a huge influx of boys in the hood. and Popularized to, by it, a big Cuba Gooden Jr. movie. I yeah, remember. yeah. Menace to society. You know, we've got Sugar Hill. And a lot of these movies show a lot of young, black, angry men shooting in violence. You know, you know the ultimate fear of, you know, racist white America. Yeah. Here's, here's an example. And it's it's the sh- it's the smaller scenes that sort of show uh, Cleopatra, you know, wandering through the neighborhood and you know runs into you know young kids and they're all guffaw or you know you, you know you, you older men sort of seen the corner in the corner doing nothing going ho 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 that Cleopatra Jones, it's it's the stereotypical jive talking and I sort of say that with a question mark. I couldn't tell whether if that was like a white screenwriter showing what we think. African-American 1970s hats how they talk or not it was the most predominant in this film and so it was one of those is this one of these sort of you know stereotypes that we 
think it's how they talk, yeah. but well, I think it what, seemed very cartoonish for me. Uh, Uncle Tomish. It, it it for me it's the it felt authentic. Yeah, and I'm always highly suspicious of things that feel well, authentic. authentic yeah. It's the whole conversation we had about End of Watch. Yeah, and that like that movie feels really real, but I don't think that's an adequate description of what yeah. your average day of an LA cop is at all. Yeah, but yeah. the movie makes a compelling case. You almost want to believe it because yeah. of its style. I think there's a percentage of truth to that sort of really hip, yeah. jivey type. And I say, this, I, I say this with question mark. But is it hit a little bit heavy? Perhaps. Yeah. There's the whole subplot about the, uh, the this gangster group. Uh, I don't remember the characters' names, but they're defying Mummy. Yeah. Uh, Mummy, she was, she, they were sort of one of her branches of distribution, and they decided she's fucked up her order too many times. She's been so crazy and inconsistent. We're done with her. We'll just run our own business. And it ends up costing them their lives. But we spend an inordinate amount of time with them. Yeah. And again, we're not sure how to, 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 to feel about them. They have this proper British white butler that they all seem to really enjoy yeah. laughing at. They yeah. think it's really awesome that they have a white servant. And again, it's just like, they don't seem to appreciate the irony of that at all. Oh, yeah, and yeah. yet, when he, that character and a couple of the other women get killed, you're kind of like, oh, that's too bad. They sort of like the British butler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so they're not completely empty of, uh, of our, yeah. our sympathy. But yeah, they're, they're broad strokes in little ways. But I mean... The whole movie is, is painting pretty broad strokes. Like, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't. If it was just those characters that I think were cartoons, Mommy is a cartoon. Oh, the correct abs, cops yeah, are, are cartoons. cartoons. No, everybody. If it was just one group that was cartoons, then maybe I'd be yeah. Yeah. But this whole movie might as well have been animated. It might as well have been Fritz the fucking cat. Yeah. Like it's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nowhere near as harsh as that. But you know that. Yeah. That, that no, vibe. I know. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do want to talk about Shelley Winters, uh, two-time Academy Award winner, Shelley Winters. Wow, I haven't seen a whole lot of her work. I, I've seen the original Poseidon Adventure. Mm-hmm. I have seen Night of the Hunter, where she played uh, spoilers, the mother who gets murdered right. by, yeah, uh, by Robert Mitchum. Um, apparently, she was in one of the original versions of Diary of Anne Frank as the you know the mother of the house who helped save um, Anne Frank's family. Tries to anyway. Tries to anyways. Um, and uh, but the Shelley Winters I've seen mostly is the sort of the very loud, screaming, large woman. <laughs> and this is doing, dialed up. I think she's ten. doing what the script is asking her to do. And the director, yep. But it's not great. It's really no. shrill. I mean, you want to see her defeated. You don't like her. Yeah. She calls Cleopatra Jones a coon. Yeah. That, that, that almost hurt more than any of the other words. So it's just because I hadn't heard it for so long. It's yeah. like, oh, God damn. Yeah. It's like, woof. <laughs> you went there right away. It's one of the first things that comes out of her mouth, dude. I want that. Yeah. Dad is just yeah. like, oh. Um, but again, like... Uh, there, there's no. You're never worried that she's gonna win in the end, and you know yeah. she gets punched out and thrown on a pile of garbage and yeah. stuff like this. Um, there's an amusing scene where one of her lackeys, who has repeatedly failed her, gets slowly com- crushed in a yeah. compress and inside a car. You see it coming way before the character does, but that kind of makes it funny in a yeah. wily coyote sort of way. way. Yeah. Um, again, it's good enough. It's fun. Uh, it's not deep. No, it's, it's shallow as piss on a plate, actually. But, <laughs> but, but uh, if again, 
If you had the same problem that I did and had this idea in your head that Shaft is some over-the-head cheese factory, it's not. If that's what you're looking for, I will direct you to, to the Patrick Jones. Jones. No, I mean, and, and that's what it is, simply put. But yeah. Good enough? Good enough. You shall pay, Black Prince. I curse you with my name. You shall be... Blackula. Blackula, the Black Avenger, rising from his tomb to fill the night with horror. Blackula, Dracula's soul brother, deadlier even than he. You know, he is a strange dude. You're a nut that ran in front of my cab. You're the only imbecile on this street. Boy. Blackula. Look at man, you will find I mean, you got to be around here somewhere. I mean, now listen. You wait, you take your hands off of me. I don't know you. He thirsts for your blood. He hungers for your soul. Warm young bodies will feed his hunger. Hot, fresh blood will quench his awful thirst. Thank you. So we find out something Dracula. about Blackula. 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 We've learned a lot of things about Dracula during his different incarnations. And like, yeah. you know, we go into the back history of Vlad the Impaler and how even before he was a vampire, he had impaled thousands of people on wooden spikes. Mm-hmm. But it really hurt to find out on top of all of that he's a fucking racist. <laughs> Because <laughs> that movie. made him really yeah, bad. Really he's bad. bad. He's not yeah. just a mass murderer. It's he's on. a racist mass murderer. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the beginning of this movie, uh, Blackula. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Dracula, Pri- uh, Prince, or King Prince Mama, Mama Walde. Walde. Mama Walde. He's meeting with uh, this uh, famous rich intellectual aristocrat Dracula to see if he can add some financial help to support him putting an end to the slave Slave trade and uh, Dracula laughs this off because he's well what's wrong with the slave Slave trade trade. (laughs) I've made Uh, lots of money off of it and after a little bit of small talk he you know uh, bites his, his or enslaves him, uh, puts him in a coffin, dooming him to a life of wanting to drink blood but never be able to get it, and leaving his wife to to die, uh, mourning his enclosed body in this uh, casket. Mm-hmm. And then we fast forward to modern day San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco, a couple of uh, homosexuals. <laughs> the movie never refers to them as homosexuals. Oh, the, the end. The end credits has them has it, and I apologize for these words as. Faggot one and faggot two. Yeah, they are oh, they are sorry, incredibly folks. cringeworthy gay stereotypes. Yeah, um, and I wish I could say that like they were pressing some buttons because uh, when Blackula emerges from his uh, his c- coffin, desperate for feeding, he just needs to. He sees these two guys and he eats them right or drinks their blood right away. And I thought, oh well. You know, the traditional Dracula story is all about enslavement and sexual power and violence. And the fact that in the 70s, you know, he's got uh, same-sex victims, that's maybe kind of edgy. But the movie's not thinking about it in those terms at all. In fact, all that, the, like, basically the conceit is Black Dracula. That, mm-hmm. that's, that's the, I mean, obviously it's in the title, but mm-hmm. they didn't go beyond that 
at all. And it's a PG affair, which I think might have been a mistake. And as a horror movie, the emotional arc is, forgive the pun, a little bit toothless for me. Is it an enjoyable sort of smirk-worthy kind of like, look what they're doing next thing? Mm -hmm. And does it have its moments? Yes, absolutely. But in the, I just, in the end, when the credits rolled on Blackula, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Right. It wasn't hate. It wasn't love. Okay. It was, I don't know. Well, um, I, I, as you can tell probably from my smile that I love this movie. I, <laughs> if you remember back ranking review... Uh, listeners that I had at number 25 as the, right, uh, the 70s. T- top horror of the 70s, and I am about to lay down why. Uh, there's a long history of social commentary in black horror movies. Or in horror movies, period. Horror movies, period. But especially from early on, whether it be Blackenstein or Ganja and Hess, there is a sort of social um, justice theme going through it and slavery is one with Blackula and, and I'll get you right, right back to the start um, Dracula or Prince Mamawalde is put in, into his own slavery a la vampirism and his original name is taken away he is given Blackula by his white slave owner aka Dracula yes. and so he's fighting that 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 his own slavery throughout that movie and that's, and that's how he? I yeah I think he is uh, you know, he, 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 the slavery took him away from the love of his life. Yeah. And I, I know that's the same trajectory as the Dracula story. I get that. I think that the love story would have been better if the actress, uh, Vonetta McGee. Yeah. Again, I just, she felt like she looked the part, but yeah. like she has to instantly see something in this man when he shows up. Like there's yeah. some fate that they're to be together. And right. I 100% didn't read that. I read it from him, not from her. Yeah. But as a result, the whole overarching thing didn't work. But because he's a man who has been fighting slavery and who was so repulsed by what Dracula, his racist speech that, yeah. you know, he wanted to just leave, not even sit and talk to the man not even share yeah. the same space yeah. breathe the same air like you yeah. just wanted to walk away from it uh, you would think he would be defiant now I get he's been locked in that coffin for hundreds of years and he's starved but he does not fight that he kills people and drinks their blood yeah I don't see the but he's in that he didn't yeah but he's been, that's, that's because of the ills of slavery if you will he, like, he's he, been conditioned but yeah he that those two the faggots to use the moves he's their vernacular yeah. were his first two victims he yeah. was made a vampire and then put in that coffin yeah. and he laid in there oh like for me I imagine it of suffering for insomnia for a couple hundred years in yeah. a coffin right and he b- breaks out of there and he is desperately thirsty and hungry and mm-hmm. he would eat anyone or anything that was there yeah. yes but then I expected the oh my god what have I done and he laughs and that never happens. Mm-hmm. He creates a whole bunch of vampires, doesn't care. He kills the cabbie who's done nothing wrong. He kills some of the cops are bad, but he doesn't differentiate good cop, bad cop. If they're in his way, he will kill them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel any like, oh my God, what have I become? He didn't wake up saying, I need to find and kill Dracula. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we, we, I would have liked to see that conflict. <coughs> yep. I did not see that conflict. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it does eventually have to follow the story of Dracula. I, I, I get it. And we want to cheer for the cops. So they Shout out to William Dracula. Marshall, by the way, who plays Prince Mama Waldi slash Blackula. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that he gets uh, bigger eyebrows when he vamps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that strange. There's yeah. like almost a half-wolf man thing that happens with his facial hair when he becomes Blackula. Yeah. 
Um, also, shout out to our Canadian actor, Gordon Pinsett. Pinsett. Yeah, uh, good to see him. Jack Peters, uh, one of the good ones of yeah. the white characters. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. it's got to be at least one of them. They're usually is not club. all bad. I was going to say, in Cleopatra Jones, the one cop that we're set up to like, but actually turns out to be racist, Yeah, I honestly, sincerely didn't see that coming. Okay. In a movie that transparently stupid, they actually pulled the wool over my eyes. So oh, you right on, Larry. Uh, <laughs> in, in this case, yeah, nothing that I saw really surprised me uh, but I like Gordon Pinsent I like seeing him so young yeah. and again uh, he's helpful to the uh, um, Gordon Dr. Thomas the guy who's trying to put an end to the, the Van Helsing character yeah I do like Thalmus uh, Razulala he's the, the Van, Van Helsing character in Blackula um, but that's the actor's name right the Gordon, Gordon, Thomas. Gordon Thomas yes yeah. Uh, and we want to cheer for him, and I think that's why they didn't spend too much of a fuss about Blackula's torment. Yeah, they let him just be a vampire yeah. right away. So, which that, I think was ultimately smart. Yeah, but uh, again, if you're going for the tortured angle, if you're going for the Anne Rice vampire, who's no, oh, I'm immortal, but I'm so unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, which does nothing for me, by the way. But yeah. that's more of the traditional conceit of the Dracula legend, right? Yeah, it's uh, for some. <laughs> I don't know. It's sort of like the uh, com- weird attraction revulsion thing. Like, uh, why a lot of women, I won't say all women, are attracted to bad men yeah. who are transparently, obviously bad, but somehow irresistible. That's what I think Dracula kind of speaks to. Yes. When Dracula shows up at your window in the middle of the night, having flown up as a bat and knocking on your window pane, <laughs> asking to let you in, no part of you should say, yeah. Yeah, I think I should let him in, right? Yeah. And yet he is just so seductive that you can't resist. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, none of that's here. <laughs> none of that's yeah. here. Because he's one strange dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know who that, that that secondary character was, but I enjoyed him. Um, I love the, the music once again in Blackula. It starts off with that sort of 70s funk. This is a big sort of love letter to the Hammer movies that are still very much alive. That's kind of what this sort of angle was, is let's make a African-American conscious movie, but a Hammer movie as well, a mixing mixing of genres. So I guess there is a little sort of sentimentality that I have for the love of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just now getting into Hammer films as well, but it is a gothic horror film, you know, with, you know, dark shadows and castles and cobwebs and then, you know, let's In a way, ch- change, change it to 1970 San Francisco. But that's that's this style here. It's one of the earlier modern vampire movies. Mm-hmm. Still in the 70s, they were doing the period vampires. Yes. Yeah. Still the old mansions or the old castles and cobwebs and whatnot. Yeah. It, it was kind of fresh, I think, especially in 73 to see a vampire in San Francisco. Yeah. In what was then modern times yeah. in San Francisco. But uh, I don't know if this is the film that started that subgenre of black horror films, um, but this is one of the earliest. So for lovers of that particular subgenre, um, I think you kind of need to see Blackula. Um, it's, I don't know, it never takes itself too seriously, which is, I think, one thing which I like a, a lot about my black exploitation films. It's as fun. much as it's much fun. as I like Superfly, it is a lot of fun, and it puts a smile on your face. I think it also treats its ghouls with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yes, it's a PG movie. Um, there's this one sequence where we know that there's a vampire, that, that taxi driver, defrosting. I want to talk about that. Sketty Lester playing Juanita Jones. Okay. I liked her both as the cab driver and as the vampire yeah. when she turns. Yeah. Uh, I think that 
it could it's it's one of those things where uh, an actor took a small role yeah. and made a meal out of it yeah yeah because uh, I there's the sort of stereotypical role of the uh, aggressive loud black woman yeah <laughs> you know who's gonna tell Boy. you just, gonna tell you just exactly what she thinks of you and you're not gonna get a word in edgewise yeah uh, and that could have been all that she was like she hits this guy in a cape with her cab because he runs in front of her car yeah. so she gets out of the cab and tells him like what the fuck is your problem I could yeah. have killed you you son of a bitch yeah. and she's kind of right so like I kind oh, of oh no felt, she's completely right I felt bad for her that she got bit because she sees yeah. the way that he's not being properly reacting to being injured yeah. and the way that he's furious with her because he sees it as her fault that this happened to him. You and made me... You can sort of see her switch from being aggressive in your face to, yeah. but let's just let's just go our separate ways. ways. Yeah, yeah. And then she's bit, and then she wakes up and she has this big vamp out scene where she runs across the hall to the camera and there's nothing recognizable about that vampire mm-hmm. to the character, yeah. Winita Jones, uh, yeah. that we saw earlier. Again, I always have respect for the... There's no small parts. You know yeah. what I mean? It's uh, the one ma- the one scene role in The Big Lebowski of the cop at the impound yard, right? Yeah. He had one scene and he fucking nailed it, right? <laughs> Leads. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there are no small parts, only small actors. Yeah. And I noticed her enough that I actually specifically wanted to mention her. So. Yeah. No, she's good. She handles that whole sequence pretty well. Even when I first saw it, I was like, ooh, that's kind of creepy. You're not victim number two. This yeah. is a character. Yeah. yeah. And uh, part of it's makeup, but part of it is how she sells it. She does really, really well. Um, for a film that I thought was not going to be, and I don't think I don't think it's the least bit scary, but it was one of those scenes where I was like, huh, yeah, you did kind of well there, Blackula." So I, I wanted to give a shout out to her. Um, look, this movie is dumb fun. It's dumb fun. It's an old Hammer movie mixed in with, like I said, the black exploitation. Um, is it going to change the world? No, but. I sort of see this, and, and stop me if I'm wrong, as one of the big granddaddies of uh, black horror that seems to be making a big comeback right now. Uh, sure. Get Out sort of really sort of brought it back, if you will, but there's a long history, whether it's Tales from the Hood or, you know, Terror on Skull Mountain. There, there, there's a whole long line here, and Black is, a, is one of those big granddaddies that well, I think you, people need to see. I'm not going to hold the movie's hand in anything <coughs> or give it any specific points because of what it is when it is. Yeah. I'm going to look at this movie as a strict genre outing. Sure. And here what I see yeah. is a vampire movie that is neither tragic Okay. Romantic okay. or scary. Sure. So on some level, I couldn't say that it was 100% successful. Okay. Was I bored while I was watching it? Did yeah. I have a good time while I was watching Yeah, absolutely I did. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's 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 not going to scare you, it's not going to thrill you, and it's not going to... But it's fun, It's though. not going to touch you emotionally. So I would be prepared for that. <laughs> I think you get right from the opening credits that this movie really aims to be fun. Yeah. Um, from its opening s- score with you know with the bat chasing the red stick figure like I don't think it, its design was ever to be overly terrifying right. um, but it, you know it has a little bit of everything a little bit of scare a little bit of sass maybe not romance if you will I mean she she the the, the female actor is very pretty to look at um, but it, most of all it's fun and I think if you take that meal, you can get some other things about it. Um, 
I, I appreciated that the uh, even though the Van Helsing figure is repeatedly getting frustrated with the Gordon yeah. Pinson character, yeah. that Gordon Pinson, even though he's pissed off that he's being you know talked to like that, yeah. it's not because this is a black person talking that way. It's because it's his friend. Yeah. And when they go to the morgue and he finally sees a vampire, he concedes. You're right. I would not have believed you unless yeah. I saw it. Yeah. And the fact that they paid that much attention to detail, that their friendship was yeah. strong enough that, that they, they survived that war of words until yeah. that happened. Again, uh, a, a lot of black exploitations would have just said, white cop is unhelpful and yeah. left it at that. Yeah. So I appreciated it. Again, another full character. And the, the movie, by the parameters of its existence, did not require a full character out of Gordon Pinson. But yeah. we got one anyway. Um, they did not require a full character out of that yeah. cab driver. But we got, got one. one anyway. I do like the sequence as well in the dark room where that one photographer right. was starting to um, develop, the, develop the films and then soon realizes that, hey, where's Prince Mama Waldi? And then Mama Waldi shows up. Mm-hmm. I thought that was sort of a well put together sequence as well. Again, a missed opportunity for me is, is like she's got she knows his secrets, so he has to kill her. So maybe yeah. he's killing her, but he feels kind of bad about it. No, <laughs> dead. <laughs> yeah, right? it's just a you know. I would have handled it a little bit differently, but is I don't think it sucks. I think no. it's. I think again, I'm so sorry. It's fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All Anything right. else you want to say? No, I, I I think that's about it. I say check back and black you out. No, give it a stay for it. Exploitation films reviewed by Lee Beckman and Larry Parsons. enough. <laughs> Out of sight. Brother from another mother. Yep. It's all right. Um, again, I even though I didn't have as much fun as maybe I would have hoped with uh, these movies, I, I, I mean, I'm going to say thank you anyway because I, I don't know if I would have got around to it. In a, they're completely different, but I kind of feel similarly when Eric and Ashley wanted to do the Rocky movies. Yeah. I was kind of like, to the Rocky movies but to my surprise I actually kind of had more fun with the Rocky movies revisiting them than I imagined that I would I guess I had a bit of an attitude <laughs> about them I had less uh, history going in with these black exploitation movies but if I'm going to call myself a cinephile and, and uh, think myself worthy of other people caring about my opinion maybe there are some areas that I should be more familiar with and I can check this box off for the time and being this is why I know here. that six movies does not make me an expert but I can feel like I can know what I'm talking about when people are talking about black exploitation cinema you ready uh, so that out of the way what was your least favorite of these six films and why well at the end of the day i'm gonna have to go at number six with shaft's big score um i like i still liked it um it doesn't change the wheel at all it's got a bigger budget um it's got some pacing issues i think 
Uh, there's lots of long shots as, as of cars driving with some music. Um, but something has to be number six. Yeah. Uh, I would have to say is Shaft's big score. The reason and I have Shaft in Africa at number five, I love the ridiculous nature of it. it you it were is, able to laugh at it. I was, I was, I think able to more laugh at it than, than with it with this movie. I, I, I think it, it, it achieved its goal somewhat, where it was going to be a silly, silly James Bond film. It's ridiculous. I can understand the problems for it. Um, I got a soft spot for social justice revenge fantasy movies. You know, I, once again, I call upon Inglorious Bastards as one. This is no different. This is, you know, <laughs> we see an African-American taking on the white slave trade kind of thing. You know, th- th- that's been one of those, you know, title card title, title card fights that, you know, people want to see for years. <laughs> and, and in exploitation films, that's one of the things that they do. Um so I guess I have just a little bit higher standing for Shaft in Africa. It's not a good film. I also love the... I laughed that our hero, our, our lead character gets kidnapped by this African gangster. Is that the beginning? It's a blow dart. A blow, blow dart, dart. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I thought that one actually was Zig Smoke. But anyways, so it's not a great movie. It's got some huge problems. If you can get past a lot of the awful stereotypes and just kind of like it for what it is, I think you will enjoy it. The movie is silly. Yep. Shaft in Africa. Yep. Number four. It, once again, a low-budget affair, and maybe because it's it, it considered a classic, I have it higher. And that is the original Shaft. Richard Roundtree. So Shaft is the bottom half of your list. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Okay. Um, Shaft I have at number four. Um, I really love the music with that movie. I'm actually kind of listening to it at home right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, a Sam Spade story, Richard Marlowe. I don't think it reinvents the wheel of anything. Um, it's got some creaks and moans. Um, the sort of race baiting makes me laugh a little bit. You know, sticking it to the white man. Just tell me, Chef, what's going on? <laughs> Just give me the score. Please, Chef. Please. Please. Can I get a high five from you? Right on. I want to be cool, too. Right on, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so at number four, I have Shaft. At number three, I have the completely ridiculous Cleopatra Jones. Um, it doesn't pretend to be anything more than it is. It is a James Bond film, but this time it is a not even a you know stereotypical sassy black female character. She's just cool as ice with a cool gun and a cool car, cool car who loves her fighting against the system boyfriend who you know she's trying to help the opium drug trade against the evil whitey Shelley Winters it's silly 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 Um, sort of a big budget black exploitation film I'd say check it out Um, Cleopatra Jones number number two we have the 70s uh, classic Superfly I thought about putting this this movie at number one and but I kind of went with more with my own sentimentality and tastes a little bit. Um, some people may have a problem with the lead character of Priest Youngblood, and I can understand that. It is a sort of low-budget, gritty affair. It's got the great music by Curtis, May- Curtis Mayfield, by the way. My personal favorite, I think. Yeah, yeah. At least on first pass of all the movies. The, mu- the music stood out for me in that. Yeah. Um, 
I'd say check it out it, just for lover of films in general. Uh, this is one of the staples of black exploitation. Uh, I think you need to check it out. It, then, so number two is Superfly. And last but not least, I think you all knew it was going to be <laughs> number one, even from the beginning, it's Blackula, a loving tribute to the Hammer horror films, but mixed in with some 1970s black consciousness, black exploitation, whatever you want to call it. This movie is silly. It never pretends to be any more than that. Um, it's got a little bit of a social message. Uh, it's got all the loving 70s tropes, the long musical sequences. That goes on and on and on with the, the you know the, the style um, and a couple of names that you know for you know film nerds are like hey that guy or yeah. that person so uh, at number one I have the cult classic Blackula. Well, look, we have incredibly different lists, but that's okay. Uh, I mean, I don't think we're going to have a fight about it. I'm not yeah. going to flip this table and say how dare you put Blackula at the top of the list. Yeah. Um, I put Shaft in Africa at the bottom. Yeah, I anticipated I, that. I uh, I think that I was able to laugh at it a few times, and it, if you're able to laugh at it and get joy out of that, then maybe it'll rank higher for you. Yeah. But enough of it was, like, edging on genuinely kind of offensive. Yeah, that, I can see that. that. That I was like, no, I think it has to be the bottom. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's an is-what-it-is movie in a lot of ways, and I think in spite of it not taking the slavery seriously... It still has its heart kind of in the right place. Yeah. But uh, again, it's a different time now, and it's sort of shocking at the indifference <laughs> with which some of this material is treated. Yeah. I will put Shaft's big score in fifth position. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a bigger, more uh, sprawling than the original Shaft, but I yeah. don't know that that it's helped by that. Yeah. <laughs> As again, I was not like completely on board with the whole Shaft vibe. Um, He's just this untouchable superhero who the world won't get to him, the whitey won't get to him, the criminals won't get to him. He's yeah. ungettable. Yeah. And that makes him kind of... Because he's the man. He's the man. He's John Shaft. <laughs> no one understands him but his woman. Yeah. And who that woman is in a given time changes. <laughs> so, it's just funny because yeah, it's true. true. Yeah. So in fourth place, shock. Shaft. Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> um, Again, it establishes the character. It's Richard Roundtree looking the part, maybe not playing the part, but it's a much more straight-faced movie than I was anticipating. Again, that's probably more on me than on the movie, yeah. but I just had less fun with the Shaft franchise than I wanted to, so it makes up the bottom half of yeah. my list. Yeah. And this is the part where I hurt your feelings. <laughs> In third place, you, I'm going to put Black. <laughs> you're caring about my feelings. That's so sweet. Um, it's fine, and it's kind of amusing. It does yeah. have some guffaw moments. Yeah. Again, you got to take some of the treatment of the homosexual characters real hard on the chin. Because yeah. it's not a statement on it. It's not like a comment on it. Yeah. It's pure, unadulterated yeah. homophobia <laughs> being broadcast loudly. Yeah. <laughs> so if that's going to bother you, I would say actually like, maybe avoid it. Blackula. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, but if you can get over that hurdle, it's it's a pretty bare bones retelling of, of Dracula. Yeah. And uh, again, not as scary as I wanted, and not as emotional as I wanted. So third place. Okay. Uh, second place, Cleopatra Jones. Yeah. <laughs> like 
this is probably just the dumber version of Shaft, right? This is what like yeah. I thought I what I what I wanted from Shaft. I got from Cleopatra Jones. I had a smile on my face through the whole movie. Uh, the stuff that was stylistically working against me in Shaft kind of started working for me a little bit in Cleopatra Jones because yeah. I was just able to embrace it yeah. because I wasn't being asked to take it seriously. I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's that's all it came to. Although I'll contradict myself because Superfly. Arguably the only movie that's asking me to take it seriously. Yep. I did take seriously, and because of that, I appreciated it. I appreciated the depth of character. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that the uh, the music numbers and the sort of segue scenes getting us to and from places mm-hmm. uh, felt more about a piece of atmosphere than just a necessity of the genre. Yep. It actually helped build the tension and tell the story as opposed and to establish mood yeah yeah as opposed to now let's kill five minutes of movie because we got to make it to 90 minutes right because yeah. honestly that's what some of it felt like in some of the shaft movies and in, in you know in some of the black Superstation. so uh superfly number one most complex the most real mm-hmm. and uh the the biggest surprise for me okay of the bunch other than that I just didn't get that into Shaft, and I thought I would. <laughs> so, uh, we didn't go six for six, we didn't go zero for six, but, like, again, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wagging my finger at you and saying, no. you're wrong, Beckman, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I'm a little bit out of my element here, and, uh, no regrets. No regrets. There you go. Uh, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I won't lie. Uh, I'm not like in a mad hurry to watch a bunch of 70s black exploitation right now. I think I'm ready to cleanse the palate and go no, in a different I, and direction. No, I understand. I'm sure uh, I'm going to put this away as well. Um, but uh, it was it was interesting. So thank you for making me push my boundaries. There you go. That, that, is, that is why we are here. <laughs> that is why we are here. Is there anything you'd like to say to the kids on the internet before we bring this episode of Rankin Review to an end? I said, shut your mouth. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> thank you for having me. It's always a joy to be here. You know that I hound you constantly. <laughs> uh, it's starting to be a problem. Um, I'm going to therapy oh, I, about I mean, it. Yeah, I, I need more guests for Rankin Review. See, if more people don't come to do Rankin Review, Le- Beckman's just going to take over the show. It's just going to be the Larry and Lee show. You say that like a bad thing. <laughs> you want it to be the Larry Lee show. Uh, I, 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 I am. I, I mean, a lot of the people who have at this point heard my found footage episode maybe have learned just how much I rely on having someone to talk to. <laughs> so thank but you. But it really should it should it be me? Should it be me? <laughs> well, I like diverse voices. I would like yeah. some younger people on the show. Yes. I would like more women on the show. Yeah. Because uh, there's this sort of idea that only dudes like uh, horror movies. Yeah. And if you look at a lot of like on YouTube and stuff like that, all these movie review horror review channels. Yeah, there's a lot of dudes. I've been noticing though. There's quite a few women. Maybe maybe That's the women good. are more popular. Maybe their channels are getting more popular. But uh, well, I'm trying, dude. Like I do plug the show, and I do plug it to like all kinds of people. And I appreciate it. I'm just putting an open letter. You can write me at rankandreview at gmail dot com if you if you do FaceTime, if you do Skype, if you really feel like you have something to say. Uh, yeah. Write me at, and like uh, I would I would love to have more get get a variety of guests. But I always know that if that doesn't happen. You're my boy. You're going to be there for me every time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, if you like Beckman, just do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden there's a long list of guests but if you're, that if, pop up. <laughs> if you're not indifferent to Beckman's presence, please uh, write, write your case why you should be a guest. <laughs> you don't even have to write your case. Just say, shut him just down. Just pick me. Please. Pick me.
right, we got through that list of black exploitation, uh, complete with all of Larry's strange white guilt. <laughs> But um, I think I mostly enjoyed it. Like I said, I wanted to like the Shaft trilogy more than I did. And that they kind of bled together and didn't do as much for me. But I did find a lot interesting in the rest of the movies. So I hope I didn't offend anybody. We'll be back to more regular R&R content in the upcoming episodes. But do send me that feedback to rankandreview at gmail.com. Do you like these episodes that go off? in different directions or should I be more disciplined about sticking to horror, sci-fi, and fantasy? Um, or are there other areas of cinema that you think I should kick the door down and try something different? So any feedback you have, review at gmail.com, R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Apparently a few people have trouble with the and review. It's not rank and review. <laughs> it's rank and review because I'm super cool. If you enjoy rank and review, I think you will also enjoy the Terror Table podcast. So do check out the Terror Table podcast wherever fine podcasts are found. And please tell your friends about rank and review. Word of mouth is the best weapon I have to get rank and review out there to more ears. If you're listening to this show, I consider you a friend. Keep doing it.